PFT Media. Hey, kids. It is your buddy, Peter. It's, uh, what is it? It's like uh, 6.45 in the evening on June 3rd. And I just got done putting the finishing touches on episode 244, my interview with John S. Hall from the band King Missile. You might know him as the man behind the song Detachable Penis, but he is so much more than that. He is an author. He does spoken word. He plays the ukulele. He visits his mother whenever he can. He lives in New York. It's one of my favorite conversations I've had in a very long time. It's just over two hours, and it's endlessly fascinating. This guy has a lot to say, and it's funny, and it's poignant, and important, and, and I, I, I could talk to him for another another three or four hours. I, I think I have a crush on him. I think, he, I think he's my new best friend. I don't know if he feels the same way, but uh, I totally enjoyed this one. Not that I don't enjoy it every single episode of Scotch a Good Conversation, but uh, this one is my current favorite one until the next one comes out. I hope it is yours also. There'll be links to all his stuff in the show notes and grab every single bit of material that he has out because it's all great. He's got books, he's got albums, he's uh, he, he does spoken word. Uh, follow, him on, follow him on Instagram, on Facebook, just for his daily updates. They are totally worth it. And uh, take a listen to this thing. Like I said, it's about two hours, so it might be a bit of a long haul for you, but it, it, it's every single bit is full of wisdom and, and it's interesting and it'll make you laugh, I think. It made me laugh. I don't know. Maybe maybe making me laugh is easy. I, I don't know. Uh, most of my episodes make me laugh at least a little, even if it's just me fumbling over my own words. But uh, it, it I had a good time on this one and I think you're going to dig it. Of course, I got some business, so hang tight. I got t-shirts. I got a brand new design out. In addition to the conversation design, I have a brand new design. It is the St. Peter Painter and Saint of Good Podcasting Design. And I really dig it. We actually designed something, me and my buddy Eddie. He did the drawing for me. And I think it's really cool. Kind of looks a little like stained glass. And it's uh, it's the St. Peter. He's the painter and saint of good podcasting. $2.00. From every single t-shirt goes to the Second Harvest Food Bank here in Central Florida, which they, they give food to people who are in need. And then I got a little bit of money and the people were at, uh, what is it, Impress Inc., I think. Um, Impress Inc., they make a little bit of money. It's a win for everything. And while you're over on the website, look around. Because what they're doing over at Impress Inc. is they are teaming up with a lot of independent central florida businesses these aren't huge corporations these are people who who make central florida interesting uh, local people who have local businesses so everybody who has a t-shirt up there is a local independent business myself included look around there i got two designs i'd love for you to grab both of them uh you want a t you, you want a t-shirt you got to pay for that you, you want a sticker or button email me over at scott's a good conversation at gmail.com uh, when I get enough of them in the mailbox, my little inbox, I will go to the post office and I will ship them out. Uh, Orlando Weekly, the nominations are going on, I don't know, until the middle of May or something. I, I'd love for you to uh, nominate us as best local podcast. I think we're pretty good. And do me a favor, nominate Dinner Good Conversation as best water park or best new thing or um, the best smoke shop. I don't know, nominate Dinner Good Conversation as something. That's kind of funny. And next week, uh, turntable list, Rob Swift and Dilly 
are my guests. They called in from, I believe they were in Brooklyn and they are fascinating and they are so talented. All I want to be when I grow up is a professional DJ and these people do it uh, on a, a international level. They are the real deal. They're making art with turntables. So mark your calendar for that one. Until then, wash your hands, all right? If you go out, if you're one of those protesters, which I almost sort of encourage, I'm just too old to do it, but I, I'm with you there in spirit, um, make good decisions if you're going out, all right? You know, uh, wear a mask. If you see a pile of bricks, don't throw them, um, you know, and uh, just make good decisions. I need you guys, okay? So whether you're staying in or going out, you know, take care of yourself, okay? Wear, wear sunblock, climb trees, pet dogs, ride bikes, and remember to breathe. Thank you so much for checking out Scotch and Good Conversation. I'm your host. My name is Peter. I am in the Rosie Land Studios in beautiful Orlando, Florida, and no one is sitting across from me again because of stupid coronavirus. But uh, calling in from uh, New York, New York City, New York City, New York City, right? New York City. New York City. Uh, it's John S. Hall. How are you, sir? I am well, but I should say that even if there wasn't a coronavirus, I don't know that I would be sitting across from you. <laughs> oh, you you visited Orlando. I've seen you in Orlando. Per, per, perhaps um, perhaps we would be having this remote conversation even if there wasn't a coronavirus. Okay, but so I don't know that I would make the trip solely <laughs> to to, uh, to come on Scott's yeah. a good conversation. I I might I might have coordinated a trip. Uh, to come to Orlando to talk to you and then to also check out the ukuleleans. You, I really enjoyed that oh, podcast. Oh my much. goodness. You just called out one of my favorite Orlando things. I, uh, I was telling my wife, I, I think it would be one of mine too. I was telling my wife like yesterday, uh, and she's a new kind of member of the ukuleleans and anybody can be a ukulelean. If, if you own a stringed instrument or a tambourine or, or anything, you can be a member of the ukuleleans. <laughs> that is a D minor on my ukulele that I just happen to have handy. Well, so, I got yeah. I got my wife's right there. I don't play. Um, mm. but it is literally one of my favorite things, and I can't wait for life to at least get sort of kind of normal when the ukuleleans can maybe meet in a park or something. Uh, it, if, if you don't know the ukuleleans, that, that's a thing that goes on in Orlando where uh, a group of people will meet at a bar and play songs on the ukulele. And usually it hovers between 15, about 25 people playing ukuleles. And they do uh, songs from uh, Johnny Cash to uh, Camper Van Beethoven to The Clash to country songs. And people drink and hang out. And it's really wonderful. John, I, I think you would really appreciate it. Uh, you, you did I think I would too. You did say you listened a little bit. So, uh, these are three I things. I listened to that whole, uh, 
podcast. Uh, it was uh, full of things that sounded interesting to me, like the uncomfortable brunch. Uh, I really like um, uh, being uncomfortable at you, times. You would so. love uncomfortable brunch. Uh, that was yeah. probably the last time my wife and I were at the movies. Uh, yeah. Since before all this happened, and did did you mention what kind of movies they would show at at at, at such an event? Because I'm wondering what what people consider to be uncomfortable. Well, the, the, like uh, you know, like uh, that Argento movie. Uh, what the heck's the name of it? The one about the drug use and the. Uh, oh gosh, I'm so stupid. I should have written it down. You but, just you know, name checked Argento. Of <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, but you know the movie I'm talking about, right? No, not not, not at all. Not a clue. It just sounded really smart. Uh, uh, the maybe the, maybe I have the name wrong of the director because I, I often conflate things. The, the gentleman who who runs Uncomfortable Brunch and his uh, his uh, side sidekick cat, uh, they are film film people. And the first one that I went to, and I forget the name of the director. It was all shot in black and white. And uh, the beginning had uh, William Defoe taking a shower in a loft, and he, he starts having sex with his wife, and then his baby falls. Oh yeah, yeah. The baby that's, falls out uh, yeah. a window. Yeah, that's Antichrist. Yeah, and then it goes down. I love that movie. That's it, a fantastic movie. It goes, I mean, I love that director. That's uh, Trier. Right? It, it, I believe so. Yeah, uh, Lars yeah, yeah. Van Trier. Well, pull that yeah, out yeah. of my ass. Um, yeah, yeah. It goes down the hill from there. So basically, you're sitting on on bench stools eating breakfast off your lap and watching an uncomfortable film in a group of people. It's also one of my favorite things about Orlando. They've moved up to a very kind of very respectable, nice, uh, I don't want to say art house film theater, but it's, it's a kind of a high end theater that, that does not mainstream films called the Enzian here in Orlando. And they've moved up to that. And that, that happened a couple months ago. And of course, coronavirus came and kind of ruined everything for, for a little while. But hopefully we'll be doing the ukuleleans and we'll be doing Uncomfortable Brunch sometime very, very soon. These are three things that I know about you. Wait, uh, wait, wait. Let me interrupt <laughs> to, okay, to tell on myself, okay? Uh -huh. So I made, I made a horrible mistake already in this interview. <laughs> I was confusing Dario Argento with with uh, with uh, Darian uh, Darren. Aronofsky. Okay. And the movie I was trying to remember was Requiem for a Dream, a very disturbing movie that would make people very uncomfortable. And I, um, I'm fairly certain yeah. they probably showed that. I think Josh just started Uncomfortable Brunches as a way to get uh, together with his friends and have brunch at his house. And he probably showed that. Yeah. But so lest you think I am actually, you know, uh, brilliant, you know, I, I am not. So, I, I, um, I have a funny you know, feeling you're, you're it, it only took it only took three minutes for me to make an error, maybe it, less. Yeah. My show is full of errors and that's why I don't want to check stuff on the Internet. Uh, <laughs> um, All right. You know, three things about me. Is that what you were going to say? Yes, I do. And okay. the first thing that I know about you is whenever I, well, I haven't made a mixtape in a long time or a mix CD for that matter, or a MP3 thing. But usually when I would do that, I would include at least one or two songs from your band, King Missile. It, it, you call it a band. I'm not even sure how to describe it. When I try to describe King Missile to people who have never heard of it, it it's, it's hard to describe. Describe King Missile for the kids. <laughs> That's odd. I mean, yeah, I think it's a band. What is what does the word band mean? Isn't it like a bunch of people who play music and yeah, and that that's songs? how I put it together. But I, I mean, I, it's not a chamber music ensemble. No, and it seems like it's ever changing. Uh, 
I, I wouldn't say ever changing. <laughs> I mean, you've gone through a couple of metamorphoses, I believe you're on. A... Well, I've also had bands with different names, but when I, when I feel like I'm with a group of people and we're inclined to play King Missile songs, like, like Sensitive boom. Artist, Jesus Way Cool, uh, Detachable, et cetera, Scorsese, then yeah, let's call that King Missile. And or King Missile the Third, or you, King Missile Dogfly Religion. You started that in? Did I see eighty six? Was that correct? That sounds right. Yeah, I, that's the. I think that's the number I gave. It could have been eighty five. I was very drunk at the time. <laughs> um, and, and I got to see you. I want to say it was nineteen ninety seven in downtown Orlando at a place called the Social, and my wife didn't girlfriend at the time didn't didn't see you because she fell asleep because you guys went on stage like about one o'clock and it's still among one of my favorite shows. I couldn't tell you who opened up for you, but I know he had a huge, it looked like it was hand built contraption that played music on strings. And it was like a one man uh, band thing. Still one of my favorite shows. And I, Oh, I, Oh, um, you know, Chris Zephos would remember that guy's name. I, I think I know who you're talking about. Um, but, it, but I do not remember the name. It yeah. was it yeah. was so good, dude. It was so much fun, and your music. You're talking about the opening act, yeah? He was no, amazing. no, you guys. I can't remember the opening act. <laughs> my wife fell asleep for you, but I, I, I'm gonna tell you, it, it was still among my favorite shows, and I've seen just about every band I've ever wanted to see. There was an opening act for us when we did four shows in Florida. I did not know their name at the time, but now everybody knows their name, Marilyn Manson. Oh, yeah. Um, he, they, he, was, yeah, yeah. he was running around yeah. South Florida and the Spooky Kids. Yeah, yeah, Marilyn yeah, Manson yeah. And, and the Spooky Kids. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He was really he was really a wonderful person. I, I only met him those times when we did those four shows, but he was a, he was a big fan of one of our songs, which ended up we we hadn't had a title for that song yet but we ended up naming that song after what we decided to name the album happy hour um because it was like a very depressing song so we thought it would be funny to call that song happy hour and also we thought it would be funny to make that album exactly one hour long and call it happy, happy hour, hour? <laughs> it's actually yeah. kind of funny yeah. Uh, yeah. i uh i'm not necessarily a yes, fan. you put it in the cd player which for these kids that are listening today that was a thing you would put in a thing and then it would play music but mm -hmm. now you don't have to put things in things to put play music but when you put it in it would say 60 you know 60 zero, seconds, zero. 60, yeah yeah I, yeah, yeah. I, I I am not a huge fan of Marilyn Manson as like a musician, but I'm a, I'm a fan of him as a rock star and what he did to music at that time. And I, I've said it a number of times on this podcast. He, he was everything that music rock and roll should be. He was scary. He made, yeah, your, yeah. He made your parents mad. He, he made the, the powers to be angry. You know, yeah. he, he made you think. I, I wish yeah. somehow he'd come out of retirement, but I know he paints and he's got fuck you money. So yeah. I can't say that I wouldn't do the same thing if I was him. His book is brilliant. If you ever get a chance to read his book again, I don't own any of his records, but his book is great. And he wrote it himself. Apparently. Um, I'm not surprised to hear that. I mean, my impression of him was he was a very intelligent person, um, you know, and also, you know, very kind and friendly. Well, I shouldn't say kind. I mean, he was the opening act, but you know, he wasn't like, you know, some opening acts like, and they know they're going to be superstars and they're, you know, not very, 
you know, polite, you know, and certainly some headlining acts are complete assholes. I know I've been a complete asshole in my time as an open act, sometimes when I hated the openers. I mean, as a headliner, when I hated the opening. And hopefully more times than not, I was not an asshole, but. Um, you seem very nice. I, I've been following you on Instagram. I think that's kind of how we hooked up. I, I don't know why I didn't bother looking you up on Instagram like a long time ago. I like Instagram. I'm not a huge Facebook guy. I have it. I've only been like really doing shit on Instagram. Well, no, that's not true. Like I started doing the daily negations, which like, I, love. Uh, I don't know, five weeks ago. But uh, before then, I would only go on Instagram like once every once in a while when I felt like taking photographs like and that was usually after going to a museum exhibit and then like going outside and feeling like visually inspired so I would take so there are some odd sets of photographs in Instagram that I took you know right after seeing some exhibit for example I I finally I was like I'm just gonna reach out to him I, I I've always wanted to ask him some questions uh you you haven't slowed down musically as far as I know you have two new things that have come out uh one's called uh silk cut is that correct uh yeah actually silk cut has two things so far and we're working on a third and then the other thing you're talking about is uh is uh you me and this fucking guy <laughs> which is uh, a project that we started um uh, four years ago when we made six songs four years ago, five years ago, maybe. And we toured New Zealand behind that, which is something I'd always wanted to do because Detachable was number one in New Zealand. So we went there and it was really fun. And we did those songs and we did a bunch of old songs. And I think we called ourselves King Missile the Fourth at that time. Oh, so there you go. But we decided to change the name because recently I've been playing shows in New York with King Missile, the second group, the one that's famous for Detachable and Scorsese. And I've been playing that in New York under the name King Missile. So to avoid confusion, when we made these extra six songs for the album uh, last year, we decided to rename ourselves You, Me, This Fucking Guy. And uh, You, Me, and This Fucking Guy. And the uh, album is called Garden Variety Fuckers. And it's available on, do you know the name of the label? Uh, no, I, it's not in my notes. I, I, uh, yeah, and I, yeah. I don't look things up. So it, yeah. it's, you're the fucking guy. Who's the you and the me? I, you know, I keep asking, you know, like, cause I think Azalea Snail came up with the name and it's her and her husband, Dan, uh, Dan West, uh, also known as Dan fucking West. And we have a song named after him. And, um, um, I asked her a few times, well, which one is you and which one is me? You know, it seems like she should be the me since she came up with the name. And so then Dan would Dan West would be the you. OK, that that makes sense, I think. And it there... makes sense, but not everything she does makes sense. <laughs> everything you do makes sense as far as I can tell. I know that's definitely not true. I didn't mean to point her out as a person who doesn't make a lot of sense. She probably makes more sense than I do, but still not everything she does makes sense. And and she and Dan West have a fantastic group called Lovey Dove, um, you know, that I will give a shout out to now because why not? And I'll I'll put links to all that in the show notes because it, it's it's all wonderful. You're gonna have a lot of links, okay? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. you've got a link to both, you know, Dario Argento and Darian Darren Aronofsky and uh, and Lars von Trier. No, and, I, I'm um, not I'm not linking them. No, they're they're not on the podcast. <laughs> I'm here to help you and help people find out about your stuff. Uh, second thing I know about you, and this just happened this week, and it made me giggle. Uh, you recently had something published in the Santanic Temple uh, newsletter. 
Um, and I'm going to have another thing published next month. They want me to contribute monthly, which is really nice. I mean, the way this happened was uh, a friend of mine who I've known for several years, um, we were chatting and she asked me, I don't know, she just brought up Satanism and said, you know, that she was, uh, she was, what did she say, intrigued by or affiliated with the Satanic Temple and that there was a new documentary about them. Uh, on Hulu called Hail Satan with a question mark. Hail Satan. Oh, I've seen it. It's good. Question. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I turned it on, and um, and uh, and there's my friend Michael Weiner at at the in the opening scenes. Who um, I've done some shows with him. He's like a kind of a impresario here in New York that puts on a lot of local events that are almost like happenings, where like people go from room to room and see different performances and so on and so forth so he's a presenter so there he was he's also an actor and he posed as the leader of the satanic temple for the first several you know minutes of the film and then you find the real leader anyway i watched the whole thing i was skeptical at first because i associate satanism with anton levey who i don't think is a good guy at all i i mean i think he would acknowledge that he's not a good guy um but these guys are not him in fact they have a page on their website that distinguishes the satanic temple which is who they are from the satanic church which is who levey is and i was very happy to see that they are not associated with him um anyway i um i followed them on instagram and i think that's what made him reach out to me um uh, yeah, after I saw the doc, uh, I think that's what made one of the one of the leaders. I don't know what they are, but they use what term they use. But one of the co-founders um, reached out to me and you know said, "Would you like to contribute something for the monthly newsletter?" And that very day, I had written something, and I was like, and I thought about it for a few days. Like, oh, maybe this thing I happened to write that day would work well in the newsletter, and uh, and it did. So there you go. And so now you're going to be uh, contribute monthly. <laughs> yeah, they're taking a piece that I wrote called the novel coronavirus um, for the next issue. How often do you write? Do you, do you write like he came, he came to uh, one of my Zoom readings and heard me do that one, and he just said, "Yeah, we can do that one next month." I write a lot when I have a show coming up. Usually, sometimes I don't. I have a I have a reading coming up next Thursday, and I haven't written anything for that. But I wrote so much for the reading before that that I don't feel like I'm under the gun. I like to read at least one or two new things at any reading I do. Otherwise I feel like I'm, you know, a charlatan. Are you doing something out and about or uh, did I see that on your Facebook page? Cause that frightens me. I'm worried about you. You're not going in some place without a mask. Are you? Uh, my, my mom's apartment building has this private garden and, um, I visited her two days ago. And she said, we don't have to wear masks. Okay. Your mom's and probably right. My mom says I, I have to wear a mask always. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've read a few articles about like in under what circ. I mean, obviously if you're in a room with three people who don't have the virus, you don't have to wear a mask. Yeah. Yeah. My, my wife you and I aren't wearing masks around each other, but, uh, uh, Pence came to Orlando yesterday and went in one of our local restaurants, not wearing a mask, and he's a knucklehead. Uh, mom's oh okay. yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't mean, go to that restaurant anyway. Mom's okay. Mom, mom is uh, 
Is she doing okay? Is she is she by herself, or I mean, are you nearby her to get to see a good boy? My, my my brother takes care of her, and uh, I visit her uh, not as often as I can, but but almost as often as I can, I guess. Maybe that's even that's not. But yeah, I do live nearby, yeah. and uh, and yeah, I should visit her more. Okay, Peter, you're right. <laughs> I should visit my mom more, and, and uh, she doesn't live in in Florida anymore. Actually, the, yeah. one of the last things I did before this the shit hit the fan here was to go visit my mom and it, it, uh, it, it didn't end well. Uh, I, I love my mother, but very few people can make me as crazy as she does. But yeah. Well, you know, that, what, who, that, that poem, um, Oh gosh, Philip, the Philip Larkin poem. Do you know it? No, sir. Oh God. It's so good. I'm looking that up now too. It's a really good thing. I have a, where is it? I think it's Philip Larkin. Boy, it's going to be some other Philip. You watch. In in the meantime, I'm going to give you the third thing I know about you. Uh, yes. Go. Uh, in 1976, you made your you made your family pull off in Plains, Georgia, and you got to, <laughs> you got you got to meet Lillian Carter. Uh, yes, I did. So yeah. so you were yeah. in 76. I don't know if we about, have photos of that, but I, I I had the can, the empty can of Billy beer for a while. I we all did. Got, yeah. And a, and a can. No, no, that I got later, I think. But I had we bought they, you know, like they had this corner store and you could buy like peanuts, you know, in a bag, you know, and I kept the bag for a long time. And I think I finally threw it out, you know, that said Plains, Georgia. Of course. On them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I was really excited about Jimmy Carter's candidacy. I couldn't, I wasn't old enough to vote then, but I did vote for him in 1980. It was the first presidential election I voted in. So he's just a nice man. He's just, he just doesn't. Well, slow I mean, down. he's the greatest, greatest ex-president we've ever had. He's just, uh, a, he's just seriously. A, no, 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 I no, agree. About he that he doesn't. He's a good Christian. Who's going to disagree with that statement? I know seriously. somebody. I know somebody I used to work for who hated him with a passion. Okay, <laughs> but is the, but. But, but as an ex-president, I, I, who's better? He builds houses for the poor. No one's better. I mean, no one's better. Yeah, I, Thank I, you. I I agree. I think he's. Thank you. You, you know, could be a, a goddamn Nazi and still acknowledge that he's the greatest ex-president there ever was. To me, maybe you wouldn't if you were a goddamn Nazi, but like you he's could. everything I think a Christian should be. He's not in your face about it, and he, he talks the talk, not too much. And he walks the um, walk, you know, he, he's, he, to me, he just seems like a quality human being. We need more of them. You know, the I world think it's okay to be in your face about your religion. I mean, the Satanists, you know, the, the, the satanic temple people are somewhat in your face. Um, I think it, it's another thing, like when you're telling people what to believe, but I think it's okay to passionately say what you believe. I, I guess I, I just, it, it comes off as like, hypocritical to me, you know, that, that uh, most Christians, uh, most, some Christians, I, I don't want to cast, you know, this wide blanket over Christians. I don't uh, even think it's most Christians, yeah. honestly, but the, but it's the, the one, loudest Christians that yeah, you're talking the, about. The loudest Christians are the ones that, that are telling me that I need to believe this one way where you'll, you'll find the, the, like the atheists I know, or the people who practice other religions or something are like, Hey, you do you, you know, this works for me. And if you want to know more about it, I'm, I'm here to tell you about it, but I'm not, you know, going to get up literally on a soapbox and yell, believe in my God, or you're going to hell. Yeah. Well, I mean, I compare that to somebody who's like, 
oh my God, you've never heard the Slits? You've got to buy this Slits record and listen to it because it's going to make you happy and change your life. I mean, that's the way some people are about religion. It's the way some people are about music. Oh, you've never uh, been to the Museum of Modern Art? Or, oh, you've never been to, like, the Philadelphia Museum of Art? Or, oh, you've never heard a, a composition by Ligeti? Or, oh, you've never seen a Darren Aronofsky film? I mean, like, if you're excited about something, you want people to know about it because it might make them happier or, or help their life. So again, like I think it's okay to be evangelical. What I don't think is okay is to be, you know, intolerant of other people's Boom. enthusiasm it's, for other shit. You know, I, 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 you sort of turned me around on this. Maybe I just have, maybe I, maybe I, I just have a, a I mean, like, a look, a lot of us side. have bad associations with Christianity. Like I went to Catholic school for four years, you know, I got hit, you know, in the in the knuckles with doesn't rulers, seem Christian to me. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay, but I'm not going to blame Jesus for that. You know, and I'm not going to blame every person who thinks Jesus is like this awesome person. You know, as I have publicly declared myself. You know, uh, you know, I'm not going to like paint them all with the same brush. It's just absurd. Just as I will not paint all satanists with the same brush you know i i said like i said oh are they like levey and she said no check out the movie so i did i urge you all to watch hail satan with a question mark and see what you think about the satanic temple i mean that I, they're will... doing they're doing awesome things you remember in that movie how they like got the guy to take the 10 commandments uh, off of the you know the courthouse wherever that was i don't remember I, you know, like you, do you remember the movie? Yeah, I absolutely do. Weren't they were trying to put up a statue of Satan? Wasn't that the whole thing? B Baphomet, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's uh, um, I, I will put Which links in the show funny. notes to that. that that's that's great. Yeah. We should it's have. funny and it's also like a really important point about religious freedom at the same time. You know, we, we should so. if, if we have one, we should have the other. You know, and that, that's just it. it. It's that that I think that's what I was sort of trying to say in my own stupid way is yeah. you know is the some of the christians are the ones that are saying you can't do this we're like the people from uh the the satan thing that you just said a hundred times i can't remember the name of um they're like we can do this we just want you to be able to do this and us to be able to do it all so everybody gets you know a little taste of everything you make decisions on your own that that's that's it i don't want to be told i'm wrong because i don't believe what you believe I mean, I think, again, I think a lot of people do that, too. I mean, we all say murder is wrong, um, or many, most of us say murder is wrong. LeVay has exceptions, yeah. right? But most people say that murder is wrong. And I think that, um, um, I think that uh, you know, we, we, we feel that murder is wrong because of something inside of our hearts that disturbs us about it. Um, you know, some of us attach religious significance to that and some of us don't. But I don't think there's any objective reason why you can say murder is wrong unless like you care about other people. And why do you care about other people? I do because they're there, you know, but but why do I why do I really care whether people around me are are happy or sad I mean, it affects me to some extent, but like I could just live away from everyone and, and be completely oblivious to their suffering. I'm sort of rambling a bit. But what I'm getting at is like um, I think we all have ideas that 
aren't based in any empirical reality. They're just based on like what our gut feeling tells us is bad. Like molesting children is bad. You know, I like, we can agree you on know, that. you can, you can reach, you can reach through like, you know, like, and, and articulate these like very lofty philosophical uh, reasons why. But at the end of the day, the reason we feel it's bad is because it repulses us because it's like, it, it, it makes us sick to think that a person would like kill another person for no reason. So some people feel that way about abortion, you know, they really feel that way about abortion and other people feel the exact opposite way that it's absolutely heinous to restrict a, a, a person in what they do with their body, you know, and that's the dividing line, you know, over like one of the most contentious, you know, uh, you know, things about our, our, our country right now, or maybe the world. Right. You know, and I think it's important. I saw, uh, I saw a, a comic who I don't want to name cause he disgusts me now. Um, say that, you know, say this, you know, that we should keep in mind that these people who are anti-choice, now a lot of them are awful motherfuckers for other reasons, but some of them really think this is a taking of a human life. And I don't know where conception begins, so I don't know if I can really argue that it isn't. All I can say is, well, there's no there's no law that tells me that, like, I have to save another human being. Um and that's and that's my kind of weak reason for thinking abortion is you know is a woman's right. Um, ultimately, as a man, I really don't think it's up to me to decide anyway. It's something you know. I mean, maybe if my daughter were pregnant and one blah, blah 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 blah. But anyway, I feel like I feel like the um the the decision to have an abortion is more complicated than we make it. The arguments over abortion, a lot of them are just like really simplistic, and they're not respectful of the other side. We know that the anti-choicers are not respectful of us, and we know that I'm not particularly respectful of them because I just called them anti-choicers instead of what they like to be called. But I mean. I do acknowledge that to some of them, it really, really upsets them. Just like gay marriage, you know, marriage equality did, right? You know, like it disgusted them, you know, this idea that people would do that with each other. And like, I don't have to accept that they're disgusted and, and, and I can say, well, that shouldn't affect my laws. But at the end of the day, these people have these ideas. Maybe they shouldn't have them. Maybe I don't want them to have them. Maybe I'd like to educate them and move them more to my position. But like, but yeah, I do think more and more we should be thinking more about like, where are these people really coming from? Not so that we can necessarily agree with them or, or be persuaded by them or even understand them, but at least so we can treat each other with respect. Perhaps, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> that, not that, not that funny. That, that, Were you that, hoping I'd be funny? But that like, that might have like, been my favorite thing ever done on, on this podcast. I'm so glad you called. So Lillian Carter, is she a nice lady? <laughs> she was nice. My recollection of her was very nice. You know, and like this idea that grandma is going to sit, that somebody sits in that room. I can't remember. It was some sort of farm, like, like a, not a shed, but like it was a small building. Called a shack. Might have been a house. Yeah. Maybe it was a shack. Yeah, 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 that might be right. So that somebody from the Carter family was always sitting there 
you know, for anybody who would drop in. See, I didn't. I, I was wondering how how you got to meet her. So Lillian is Jimmy's mother. Grant. Uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So she's just hanging out in a rocking chair, and you I'm pulled saying, over. I'm saying that they had at that time that summer there was a building. And somebody from the Carter family, I believe, was always in there. Sometimes it was Jimmy. Sometimes it was Rosalind. So maybe great. sometimes it was Billy, right? Oh, God, and I wish would, Billy were there. That'd be great. So if you came into Plains, Georgia, yeah. you could meet somebody who could talk to you about Jimmy Carter. You know, there was always someone sitting there waiting for you to walk in and talk How about How did Jimmy. you find out about this as a... a 15 year old I, yeah, i'm assuming you're on 15 yeah right yeah. i didn't google it it's, right? it's not like it was on the internet or something <laughs> yeah, you just yeah. love the carter family good for you and you got to vote for him i i think uh, you should write jimmy a letter I, I, right um, now, i think you should just let him know uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people i should write to you know like uh you know and i you know like i guess i must enjoy that feeling of regret when i have when they pass and i never reached out to them i'm you know? i'm a firm believer in, in if people have have had a good effect on you uh uh let them know i two of my favorite shows i i interviewed my teacher from 12th grade who taught drama the tw 11th and 12th grade who taught uh, drama and debate and yeah. I, I went to south florida and, and i i sat down with her and told her what a positive effect she had on me i didn't do well in high school like i didn't mm. I, I didn't like it you know i didn't i knew i wasn't going to go to college and i i just knew i needed to get through my junior to my senior year and get that piece of paper and let me go jam and then uh i uh i talked to one of my ex-girlfriends with my wife which was great like it was hilarious you know we we sat down and I, I told her, you know, this is what you did to me and this is where it led me. And I was mad at you for a little while, but thank you because that led me to this point in my life. So you, you should write the Carters real quick without even thinking about this. Uh, yeah. Don't overthink it. Top three bands, singer, songwriters, or musical performers in your world right now as you sit there today. Well, Go. Peter, I've already overthought this because <laughs> I listened to a podcast and knew you were going to ask this question. Mm -hmm. Okay. So full disclosure, Jonathan Richmond though, would probably be the first one. Okay. Right? Solid. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, do I explain or do we come back to yeah, them? Or do like, you feel like, like it's a uh... uh, Jonathan, I, I still remember, remember the date in which I first saw Jonathan Richmond and I've told him this personally. He's always shocked. Right. Because, um, He's always been outgoing after shows, including this first time I saw him, which was April 7th, 1978 at Town Hall. Um, I knew about him for about three, four months then because it was January and my friend came back from England. He had, you know, someone in a record store was evangelical and said, you have to buy this record. Right? <laughs> okay. I'm guilty so, of that. I've worked in record yeah, stores. You're right. right. Nice right. example. So, so, so he comes back to, you know, and, and I'm actually, I have the flu or something. Uh, I don't get sick that often, but yeah, I was, I had a cold or the flu and he puts the rec he comes over and he puts the record on the turntable and, uh, and I'm healed. Like I, I've never felt so good. Like I, after feeling so bad, I don't remember. I mean, it was just amazing. And what it was, was it wasn't actually a song. It was like this thing where he talks about his shirt. Um, uh, and I think on the second side or something, you know, like, like somebody from the audience tells him to change his shirt. And then he goes into this whole thing about like that. It's a brand new shirt. Right. And so this is a live album where they decided they were going to keep like the interstitial crap going on between the songs 
on the album. And I just thought, I have to see this person perform. And and he played Town Hall a few months later, and and five of us, six of us went, including me. Uh, we sat in like the sixth row, and um, and and we rushed the stage at the end, and it sounded like he said something like, wait here. So we did, and then he came out and talked to us for like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes cool. until they made us leave. And I was just like, this is like the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Uh, and then, like, uh, then there was a date which I don't have marked, but I refer to it as like the greatest day of my life. This was before my daughter was born, which that was the greatest day of my life. But up until that time, the greatest day of my life was um, I, Johnny Cash and me and Jonathan Richmond were all playing like a CMJ or a new music seminar the oh, same goodness. night. Yeah. And like, and like, I was like, oh, well. John, Johnny Cash is scheduled for 10. I've never seen him. Should I cancel my show? Blah, blah, blah. But then uh, that day, someone said, oh, no, he's playing at 8. Johnny Cash never goes on that late. So I was like, fuck. So I went to Irving Plaza to see Johnny Cash, and June Carter was there, and it was an amazing show. And I've loved Johnny Cash since I was 8. That's the second person I'll mention, okay? Okay. Of, uh, you know, right? And then and then I go to Sidewalk Cafe, and I do a show. Um and uh, and then there are people there from from uh, I think one of them was from the Atlantic. Uh, I think I was on Atlantic at that time or maybe I just left or was just about. Yeah, yeah, I must have been on. Atlantic. So they were like, after this show, we're going to take a cab to the knitting factory and see Jonathan Richmond. And I was like, totally. So so I went and that was actually one of my least favorite Jonathan shows because I was way in the back and I couldn't didn't feel like going up close. But um but yeah, I've seen Jonathan Richmond more times than any person who I wouldn't consider a friend. That, but that was mostly, all. That was all yeah. in one day. You you played a show, saw Johnny Cash. No, no I saw oh. Johnny Cash, then played a show. Okay, and then saw Jonathan Richmond. All, yeah. all in one day. That that's like an afternoon for you. Yeah, within yeah. like a five hour period. Yeah, and it's Johnny, like, Johnny, John, and Jonathan. Is, is, is life like that for you often? Because it sounds okay. No, and, I'm and saying that like, was the greatest night okay. of my life until my daughter was born. Okay, you know? have you told your daughter that story? Because that's a pretty sweet story. I don't know if I have. I you know, the other thing is with this. the daily negations, I have to tell her, well, I wrote these before you were born. You know, <laughs> things were a lot sadder for me then. You how, know? how old is your daughter? 13. Yeah. Are you good dad? I, I, I'm not as good as I should be. No, I, I mean, know? what dad is going to say they're the perfect dad, but I mean, you, you're there. Are, are you cool? Dad? I'm definitely not perfect. Yeah, I but don't know. I'm, are, cool. do you think I'm not cool enough to stop her, you know, to, to really like, like, I'm, I, I'm probably not evangelical enough about music with her and her mom's music is, uh, inferior to mine that's, ha, ha, that's just unquestionable has she heard gary and melissa or cheesecake truck or, or, or she's heard cheesecake truck <laughs> okay uh, she's heard detachable i remember coming home one night and she was like uh you know this is when before the marriage ended but so i come home one night and she's like daddy i heard you say a bad word and i'm like oh my god which time <laughs> what did her mom what did her mom play for her now and i'm like what word and she says ass you know <laughs> like, okay yeah so yeah so she was listening to detachable and i maybe not even recognizing what the word penis was but she knew ass was a bad word i think she was like seven or something at the time <laughs> it was very cute but yeah i mean she i she's definitely not heard most of it but she's heard some of it like 
Uh, and I think that's just as well. I don't think it's necessary for her all of it. Some of it she should probably never hear, you know. Like I have this piece called The Miracle of Childbirth. Uh, yeah, I, I know that one. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, interestingly enough, I wrote that before I knew that I was sterile and my kid was actually, you know, born – it was a test tube baby. Okay, so, really? Wow. You know, if she yeah. does ever hear it, she yeah. can call me up and be like, oh, my God, and I can go, but look, it doesn't apply to you because you are a test tube baby. Because <laughs> that's what I say at no, the end. Yeah, I say yeah. at the end, unless you were a test tube baby, baby, which you weren't, yeah. right? You know, but she was. So. I, I, you know, I frankly had forgot about that one, and, and that yeah. you're right. Maybe your daughter. I'm. I'm, I'm going to say as. as uh, Maybe your daughter shouldn't hear that one, but the rest of it, I say at some point. Yeah, you know? well, I'm not going to censor. I'm not going to make a list of like what of my stuff she shouldn't Here's hear. Here's the things you know? I said. Yeah, you know, and I imagine when she goes to college, people are going to, you know, like it's possible someone will be like, "Have you heard this fucked up thing your father did?" You know, <laughs> she'll either leave the room, you know, or you know, you know, like, I don't know, but, but you I mean, know, depending I, on. At yeah. some point in every child's life, you realize your dad isn't perfect. And, you know, it, it, it's, uh, I don't know, man. Like, well, I think she already realizes that. But, like, the question is how depraved is, you know, is she going to conclude I am? You know? I think for the most part, all those things you say are true. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't, you speak the truth as you see it. You know, it, you might say in, in a, a way that society doesn't normally get to hear it in. But, uh, yes. yeah, and, and she probably thinks you're cool, as cool as a dad can be. Has she seen you perform? I guess not. So, yeah, she's seen yeah. me perform. Um, yeah. yeah, there's actually, she, the first time she saw me perform, she was two or one and a half or something. And there's a picture of me like holding her in my arms when, uh, yeah, like, oh. when I played La Poisson Rouge. Yeah, like, because like she wanted, like, you know, she saw me up there and she just wanted me to hold her, which was nice. Um, and I think I held her, uh, her niece, I did. At the, I mean, her cousin at the same time. So they were both very lightweight. Um, um, so yeah, there are some pictures floating around on the internet of that. Um, but yeah, she's seen me perform. Um, there's this thing I do called the Bushwick Book Club, where um, my friend Susan Huang, who's in two of my bands, or you know, to the extent that they're active anymore. But Susan Huang uh, created this thing called the Bushwick Book Club, where she assigns us a book, and then we have to write a song about it. And so, so Violet has come to several of the, not just song, like you could do a dance thing or a film or a poem, but I usually write songs about the books, you know, and uh, so she's been to several of those. And um, let's see, what else has she seen? I think she saw Unusual Squirrel play, no, I don't remember. I don't know. She's definitely seen some shows. Yeah. Like the shows like that I do are of different, you know, uh, Oh, I don't like to say flavors. That's horrible to say that. They're of different, you know, they're in different genres. On Monday, I'm going to do a country western show, mm -hmm. which I will have already done by the time this airs. And a week from today, I'm going to do a poetry reading, which I will have already done by the time this podcast airs. But they'll be very different. I might play, I will play ukulele at the Monday show, which is a live music. It's called Live Music Mondays, M-U-Z-I-K. And then the 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 Z M O N D A Y Z live music Mondays, uh -huh. um, and um, I used to do that. Well, what am well? I've done that a few times with this group I have called the Hat Cousins, but I've done it solo as well. Um, and that's 
that's done by a woman named Kat Minogue. And um, she gets these awesome people to play like country Western songs or country Western versions of songs. And, uh, and I'm really the least talented by far <laughs> of the people who do this because I've only been playing ukulele for since August of 2017, which I guess should be plenty of time to know how to play it. But I really, you know, still screw it up no, a lot. I, I can't play it. Oh. I've tried. Trust me. I, I'd love to, but well, I've tried many instruments. It's the only one where I could actually, and my original idea was, oh, I could then I can tell people like then I could write songs. That was the original impetus for doing it. But I also found that I really liked doing it and and singing songs. And so uh, so I've been performing with it and it's nice, even though I screw it up. Um, so I, I, I bet you do a fine job. One more musical performer, please. Uh, sourdough a local band i need to uh, i need to shout out to uh, because I, I did a podcast on sunday and i forgot to mention them i will but definitely sourdough put links, link, links S- to the show notes on that s-o-u-r-d-o-e sourdough um like and uh, like when i f- i saw their very first show like i, I walked in because i think i was on the bill later that night or a friend of mine was on the bill later that night and I just showed up early and these two young women were on stage doing these incredible songs that kind of reminded me of a cross between like, I don't know, Moldy Peaches, uh, Jeffrey Lewis, who is a local person here who's also awesome, and Jonathan, you know. And I was just like, these women, these two women are absolutely amazing. I love them. I love them. I love them. Uh, I wrote, I think, the first review that ever saw print of them um because somebody asked me to and i was like yes i even though i can't really write reviews for shit because all i really want to say is they're awesome you know that's really you know, like it's a good review. everything else is, yeah. they are so awesome and they recently did a live performance in their in their home and uh i loved it so much i just love them i can't even <laughs> describe it and they also do that thing of like talking between i'm really into talking between songs i could name some of my favorite performers that do that robin hitchcock i saw lyle lovett once do that oh the guy who wrote uh the year of the cat uh um, um, Stu- um, al stewart, al stewart, al stewart yep. you know who has a lot of funny things about being confused with rod stewart and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so like yeah some people are just i i just love what they say in between song patty smith was great about in between song shit you know so so on and so forth thing number two uh was it roseanne cash that said if this don't put the cunt in country nothing will yeah (laughs) that's an awesome thing right okay you know the apple don't fall far from the tree i guess sometimes anyway real quick uh, what one thing that you endorse something that that the world needs to know about something you know that that small it could be the what was the what name of the band you just said uh the the, sourdough sourdough Uh, yeah. You 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 just endorse them. One other thing that you you endorse that the world needs to know about. I I always talk about the Radius toothbrush. It's a glorious toothbrush. You, there's one for your right hand or your left hand. Got a big old head on it. It's like a party in my mouth. They don't give me any money of that, but I'm hoping someday they'll send me a case of Radius toothbrushes. One thing that you endorse that that possibly dozens of my listeners can can uh, get to know. I really am drawing a blank. Could be a restaurant, I, could be a, a, a hair product. You you wear hats all the time. You have a hat maker. Uh, you said restaurant, and 
I mean, maybe I, I mean, Quantum Leap comes to mind. Um, they were originally on Third Street, and now they're on Thompson Street. But I've been going there for many, many, many years. Um, I like them a lot. Boom. There um, we go. Maybe I'll say them. Right. Um, I, you know, maybe I should have mentioned something vegan. But, but I'm, are, are I'm you not, a vegan? You're a vegan, aren't you? Since around 2000, yeah. All right. Good for you. Like a vegan vegan. Yeah, that, that's... See, I don't know why I'm not evangelical about that. Because yeah. the fact is, it personally disturbs me that people eat the flesh of non-human animals. That just... I find that extremely disturbing. You know, I think the way I feel about that is the way, you know some anti-choice people feel about abortion. Absolutely. I just, yeah, I, yeah, I can see know. that. I mean, so, so, um, but I don't, I, I've attended a few marches. I give money, but I don't, I don't know. I keep thinking one day I'm just going to write something about how horrendous I think it is that people still do this, you know, and how I believe like in a hundred years, more and more people will look back on, you know, this fact that we do this with horror and disgust, you know, the way, you know, I, I don't want to compare it to anything else disgusting that humanity has done in the past, but like, I just think it's going to fall into that category. I think it's your daughter is time. she? Does she? Uh... She's vegetarian. Okay, yeah. Um, but I think she's on the road to veganity. Um, is I'm that a word? Is veganity really a word? It's no, a... I made it work. Okay, I, I, made it work. I don't know many words. But I have a I have a poem called "Veganity Is a Shield," and then another one called "Veganity Is Not Always a Shield." The first one was inspired by somebody who had like in in my office building, like the secretary leaves out like these snacks that like you know are very tempting but for me sometimes veganity is a shield because i I won't eat them because they're not vegan right so like i won't gain all this weight from eating these but then like i made another poem i think it's a sonnet about like all these things that are you know really unhealthy and high high calorie and and are vegan like oreos and twizzlers and do you ben practice? and Jerry's, you know. I, I know you, um, you, you've got your law degree. Do you practice? Um, I had a f- entertainment law firm when uh-huh. I went out, when I graduated, because I couldn't get a job. And then when the kid was uh, imminent, um, I got a job at a firm analyzing contracts. So not as a lawyer, but uh, analyzing contracts. It's, 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 I think I, I learned that about you, like, years and years and years ago somehow. And I was like, well, that, that seems right. And sort of funny to me. I don't, I, I hope that doesn't come across as me being a dickhead. It, I it, mean, it, I wanted to get a graduate degree. Um, and I didn't think I was smart enough for most graduate degree. I didn't, or, or I didn't think I'd have the patience to read like fine literature. I find a lot of fine literature inscrutable, especially poetry. I write a lot of poetry or, you know, microfiction or whatever you call it. But like a lot of poetry I read, I do not understand. I just, I'm not, it just, I, I, and I don't have the patience or the, you know, or, or the, maybe it's just patience to I, like try to figure out what this person is trying to say. I find it fascinating. I've got a lawyer for, as a sponsor. And I was really kind of on the fence as to whether, like, when he said, hey, man, I'd like to sponsor your podcast. 
I'm like, I don't, I don't know. That kind of leads a bad taste in my mouth. And I, I said, why don't you come in and, you know, we'll do a podcast with your local dude. You know, you've been around for years. I know he went to high school here. You know, he, he grew up here and he practices here and I got to know him. And it, it's really, it, to me, it's, it's interesting. It's fascinating. And it really intrigues the hell out of me. And I do once a month, I do a show with just him where we just sit and talk. And, mm -hmm. uh, I, I love talking to him about the law. Like it, it's, it, it's, it, I don't know how, like, just to become a lawyer just seems just like a monumental thing. Like I, I can't even, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm barely out of high school, dude. Like I, I don't, I don't like anything like that seems frightening, but for you to, yeah. I mean, you were in your thirties when you, when you did that. I think I was 39, 38 or 39. And that's just going back to school is, is, you know, here's the yeah. thing I can shout out because it's happening right now. Can you hear the beeps? Cause I'm getting a phone call. I'm not going to answer it. Well, I mean, the if phone you, call is from the, if you want, dude. <laughs> no, no, no. The okay. phone call is from the Met Opera hitting me up for money because I went to one That's opera. Way more once, important like than my years. podcast. You should answer. No, it is not. Okay. No, it is not. All right. no, it it is. Is. I'll give them money when I feel like it. Okay. You know, I went to see. Uh, uh, I'm a big fan of Boonwell, and I read this article, or I, I found out that you know this composer Thomas Ade Adez. I don't know how to say his name. Uh, had composed an opera based on one of Boonwell's films called The Exterminating Angel. And and um, and it was in London. And I almost was like, I want to go to London. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not, like, I'm not rich at all. But, like, I want to go to London. Oh, can I bring the kid to London and then go see this this opera? You it's know, pretty good like, excuse to travel, I, yeah. Then I finally was like, well, if it's a really great opera, it will come to New York. And it did. And and so the very first opera, so far only opera I've seen in the Metropolitan Opera House, is The Exterminating Angel by Thomas Adez. And I just found out today that on January, I'm sorry, on June 5th, Friday, June 5th, they'll be streaming that opera for free. That's so cool. that's the thing I should really tell people about is the you know, Met, Met, metopera.org streams one opera for free every day. I've watched several of them because it's a way for me to get like a very quick basic education in opera, which is something I've always wanted, but I thought was – I shouldn't say always. It's something I've wanted ever since I saw The Exterminating Angel or maybe a little bit before, but felt like, like – it's too expensive, you know, it's just way too expensive. And uh, metopera.org, you can subscribe to for $15 a month. And I think I probably will, at least for a few months after they stop these live streams. But there's more opera that I can watch at this point. But I've watched maybe 10 or 12 since the, this is a thing they're doing for, you know, because we're sheltered in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, and I think it's marvelous. So June 5th, the exterminating angel watch the Boonwell movie first. That's when I rewatched it again. And if, um, if you get a chance, I think you joined the Scotch and good conversationalist group, throw a link up there like, or, or send me a link and I'll throw it up there. This way people will know about it. Uh, third thing. Yeah, sure. Uh, as a, a, uh, a, I think you're uh, five or six years older than me, I think. So slightly older, maybe. You, I'll you, be 60 in September. Okay. So you're, uh, what am I, 52? That sounds right. Uh, you're eight years older than me. Uh, as a slightly older th than me guy who, who's lived in the big city and had some life experiences, what's one tip that you can give your new friend, Peter, uh, to improve my life, who lives in a little redneck town and barely leaves his, uh, his three-bedroom house, just to improve my well, life? Well, I mean, right now, there's a lot of stuff you can, you can access for free 
or for very expensive, like a lot of cultural stuff. I mean, and I think, you know, my father was an opera fan and I just couldn't listen to it then. Like, and now I can, I think, you know, things, Oh, you talked about olives in one of the podcasts. I, <laughs> hey, I thought, it, I thought it was weird, you know, that I didn't like olives. So every few years I would try olives and now I like them. You know, it's like these things that you think you don't like some of them, if you come back to them, you will like them you, because you're a different person. Asparagus. So I'm not saying you should try olives every few years, but I'm glad I did because I enjoy them now. Uh, and I'm glad that I never decided, oh, I hate opera for the rest of my life. I think what I thought instead was this might be something I'll appreciate when I'm older, you know. Um, and I think that's a good way to look at anything that's that you feel like might be good for you, uh, you know, or good for your brain or good for your health. Oh, you know, like, uh, oh, I can't stand, I, I'm not a person who goes to the gym. Well, you know, maybe when you're 55, you'll be a person who goes to the gym and you'll, and you'll get a benefit from it. So I think just, this is neuro-linguistic programming I'm talking about really, but like, instead of saying, oh, I hate olives, say, I, I have not learned to appreciate olives yet. You know, and really say that and believe it. And then it opens your mind and yourself up to more possibilities. So that would be the, the, the overall thing. But like if it, specifically, though, like if there are things you thought, oh, I don't like that, but I should like, I don't know, um, abstract expressionism or um, or, uh, uh, you know, uh, John Cage or whatever, whatever it is, you know, like then give it another shot you know, every, every once in a while and, and see if you now like it. I'm pretty sure I, I ate a zucchini yesterday. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I actually had two pieces of zucchini yesterday. We had it in, in a, a meal that we cooked and, and I tried it like, and, and I, I, I was like, Nope, still don't like zucchini. Um, right. But yeah. you, but what I'm saying is that yeah. does not prove that you will never, ever I'll, like, I'll zucchini. try it. I'll try it again. Next time there's a zucchini laying around, I, <laughs> I, I will give it a shot. And my wife used to make fun of me that I was so picky and, and I am uh, 10 years older than her. And I've had a little more life experiences and, and, and she'll go, well, you never try anything. It's like, I've tried that. And here, give me some off your plate and I'll go. Yeah, it's well, better. I've, I, I've heard you speak glowingly of your wife, so I don't need to sell you on her, but I think she's absolutely right. I mean, we think because we're older, we know. But no, we, I, I know, you know nothing, dude. Like, when I, we think know we know, saying. right? I mean, that's a, that's an old, like, Taoist thing, right? Like, you know, the people who, you know, those who know don't say, those who say don't know, et cetera, et cetera. But also, like, when you think you know, that's when you're that's when you're closing yourself off to knowledge. You that's know? And I do that all the time. But like, I try not to part of this whole podcast thing was the fact that I, I knew my friends were smarter than me and yeah. to, ha to have them come in and, you know, help me become a better me. And maybe I can impart some wisdom on them. You know, yeah. we, we don't, we don't do this anymore. Really. We don't sit and talk yeah. to people. You yeah. know, you and well, I, you watch the midnight hour on Netflix. Have you seen that, that, you know, based on that podcast, whatever that is. No, I, like, I think I've heard of it, but I've never. Yeah. 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 So well, check yeah, it out. It's, it's centered around these podcasts. There's only eight episodes. Oh, and oh, I, I think it's it mind blowing. Yeah. 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 That's, that was the whole thing was I just missed talking to my friends. You know, I missed those conversations you'd have at three o'clock in the morning after a bar closed. I totally yeah. miss those. Uh, yeah. I, I always say the, the conversations about everything and about nothing. They were like the most yes. important conversations and you'd yes. walk away and you'd go, that was great. And somebody would go, what do you talk about? So I have no idea, but I knew it was great. Like I knew it was perfect. 
Yeah, and now you have a recording of it, so if you really want to know what it was, you can, you know, I, replay I, it. But I also <laughs> like the idea at some point these are all just going to disappear. I mean, some of them probably should have disappeared a long time ago. Well, everything's going to disappear yeah, eventually. And, right? and I love that. I I do <laughs> I do another podcast with Didi called Dinner Good Conversation and she uh at first she was scared to 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 like do it and she said, "Well, what if I say something dumb?" and and, and I always tell her, I mean, I, 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 every, every day you have conversations with people and odds are you said something dumb in one of those conversations, whether you knew it or you didn't, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, you, you, you this let that reminds shit me of that. Uh, yeah. It reminds me of that time. I confused Argento with Aronofsky. Yeah. Like, what, what, what was like, that? I don't even remember that. Uh, uh, it was like years ago you, when you, I should have known better, but didn't, but now you, I'd like to think I know better. You were assigned a task to uh, come at me with two questions. Now's your chance to ask the first and only. The I first. thought it was three, but, but yeah. two well, is better than three. Yeah. Two. Uh, Did you speak? I think, I think I probably told you three cause that's in the original email that I sent out, but I've shortened it for ah, phone okay. interviews. So pick whatever the two hardest ones, but the, just the first of the two, please, sir. And thank you. Well, we actually covered some of my questions. Like uh -oh. I, I wrote five and I figured I'd pick one, you know, one or two based on, or, or whatever based on. So, so I had this one, do you consider yourself theistic, atheistic, or agnostic? Do you consider any religions or religious ideas to be dangerous? Well, that's not okay. We didn't exactly discuss that, and I don't know that we talked too much about religion. So maybe that's an interesting question. I, Do you consider any religions or religious ideas to be dangerous? Hmm. Um, it, it depends on the context, I guess. I mean, I grew up in church, and right. and it was it was. 95% of it was a really, really positive influence on me. I, I, right, never, yeah. I never, ever had a bad time in church. No one ever lifted a finger on me. You know, it, yeah. I, I, and it's sad that that's the first thing I go to. Like, you know, no one laid a finger on me. You know, it, it wasn't even a thing. I was in <laughs> yeah, the Boy yeah, Scouts yeah. too. No one laid a finger on me also. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it was 99% of it was really super positive. And I think I, I got a, a good sense of values and stuff out of that but i i don't it's and again i'm, I'm just coming at it from my angle and, and i always say yeah. there, there are no wrong answers i don't think anything in my world that i take too seriously is is isn't dangerous you know i don't i don't want to be that serious about anything a lot of times people will be you know god i love this and they go on and on and on about like how much they love that thing and, and i'll say i want to be that passionate about anything but you I don't I, want to be that passionate. No, I, but I don't like, I, I jokingly why say, not? because I, I, I don't because know. You think passion is dangerous. Is that why? Or, or extreme I, passion is dangerous. Maybe. Is that why? I, maybe I'm just afraid to take myself too seriously about anything, you know? And it, I guess it's the under, underlying thing for me is if I act like I know what I'm doing, maybe someone will call me on it and then I have to prove myself and that frightens the hell out of me. Uh, hmm. as, as far as religion goes though, I guess it's for me, I think for me to jump into it with both feet, it would be dangerous. And I don't, especially because I mean, I don't really believe it, you know, but it works for my brother and it works for my mom. It worked for my dad at, at you know, when he died, he like he had his religion to cling to. Right, right, and, right. And what I did see was when the day he passed away, the the nurses in the hospital came and the, my mom said, you know, can we pray? And they all formed a, a circle around them and held hands and so they all bowed their heads. And, and I mean, I, I bowed my head, but I didn't close my eyes for some reason that felt like I was selling myself out. 
Uh, but but I, what I did do was I noticed people with grace and and compassion and 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 I, I figured somebody in that group had to be like me, but was doing it because they were just kind. So I, I guess to answer, I don't know if I answered your question. Uh, I, I guess it's not wrong. It's wrong for me. You know, is it dangerous? Yeah. I don't. I don't think it's dangerous unless you just become a radical about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was thinking about the question myself, you know, it's like, I was like, this would be an interesting question to think about, you know, and like, like I was trying to think of ideas that are inherently dangerous and I don't think there are any, it's just like you take the idea and you know, you can do good or bad things with it. Like the heaven idea is like for some people, they take the attitude that the earth doesn't matter because what matters is your reward in heaven. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes that can be great because it's like, Oh, well, you know, my personal self doesn't matter. So I'm going to devote, you know, the rest of my life to building houses for the poor. Um, I don't need to chase money. Right. That's one approach, the Carter approach, yeah, right? Jamie Carter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. So, but, but on the other hand, it's like, oh, well, this world doesn't matter. Drill and, baby uh, drill. You know, that's... drill baby drill. Yeah, yep. exactly. You know, and, and really, uh, I need to aggrandize myself. I've started reading an article by Marilyn Robinson. Is that her name? And the New York Review of Books today, and I didn't get through it. And I was going to hopefully talk about that, but like I couldn't really apprehend the whole thing. I'll have to read it again. But it's something about, you know, what kind of America do we want and about how, um, you know, capitalism has really like, or, you know, vulture capitalism, whatever you want to call it, has really like led us to a really dark place in our history. I, um, I've said it a thousand times. Like, I've got nothing in this, man. Like, I, I don't. Like, uh, if I've got 25 really good years left in me, you know, on, let's say I have 30 good years where I'm healthy and I'm having fun and I can go visit stuff and, you know, and, you know my dick works and, you know, I, I, my vision and hearing works. But after that, I am maggot food, you know, and I don't have children like that are that I have to worry about, you know, being coming up in, in a world that's, you know, choking out the sunlight you know, stripped up its resources. But, but I do, I mean, I worry about, you know, my, my godson, I worry about my nieces and nephews, my friend's children. I mean, your daughter, you know, for us to just, just to take, go drill, baby drill, you know, that, that just that doesn't make sense in the long, the long scale, long timeline. It, and to, well, to, I mean, if you are the CEO of an oil company, you know, your your concerns are very very different mm -hmm. from most people on the earth that's why i've always been a democrat because what i thought democrats would do is like keep that kind of power in check they don't do it you most thought of you the thought time. they'd do yeah they don't do it most of the time but um you know and and uh they don't do it most of the time but that's still I think the idea, just like there's an idea of America itself that's inherently good. You know, there's an idea of the Democratic Party that's inherently good. And I keep waiting and hoping that it will find its soul again, you know, um, but um, I think we had it know, for I, at least a, a fleeting moment there. Like, you know, we had moments when it was okay a couple, eight, 12 years ago, you know, and it, there's always I, I don't, bad. I don't actually think so. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think, said, there's always bad. Trust me, we're killing people with drones and stuff. Like it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm aware. Well, it's yeah. more, it's more than that. It's yeah. a lot more than that. I mean, I mean, I could go on and on about how I, disappointing Obama was for 
for me, even though I voted for him twice, you I, know, I, like because I, I feel like you do, you don't really have a choice, I, I, you know. And other people argue with me from the left, on you know, to my left about that. Yeah, you do have a choice, you know. And I'll vote for Sanders in the primary because I can, you know, even though it doesn't make it, you know, like it may not make a difference, right but I mean, it you. gives yep. him, you know. So I'll vote for Sanders in the primary, and you know, like if I were religious, I would pray that like Biden, you know finds his voice and finds his heart and finds you know and finds uh you know but i'm you know i'm 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 not that optimistic whether he wins or not i'm you know i'm 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 not as optimistic as i want to be right there with you yeah and it it, uh it it keeps me up uh um i'm gonna ask you some questions it's a two-parter if Neanderthals, yours was smart. <laughs> no, no, I wish I didn't write this what? question. Yours was smart. I said, if Neanderthals had survived to modern day, could they fit alongside of us peacefully? Sub question, if we cut their hair and clean them up a bit and put a nice clothes on them, could a Neanderthal walk down the street without attracting too much attention? Well, the first thing that comes to mind there is Planet of the Apes, right? God, I love you know, film. like, yeah. You know, I mean, now the you know if you saw the original five, which I did, mm-hmm. of course. Yep. You know. Yeah. Um, you know that like what instigated the planet was that that um that apes had become enslaved. You know, and I think in the nine like the movies came out in the seventies, so in the nineties, you know, apes were basically slaves, um, and they had a revolt, um, and that led to uh, you know, what became the planet of the apes. This was backstory that was invented, you know, later on. The first book doesn't have, I don't think, has it. Yeah, I mean, the book that on which the movies were based. Um, but this idea that, like, um, that we need, yeah, I mean, so that's what I think would would happen if there were Neanderthals. We would enslave them. Like, they would be the subclass. They would be below, you know, the lowest of the low that we have right now. Yeah, I went the and total... And when I say we, obviously, I don't mean me or you. I mean, you know... Oh, I, I'd have a Neanderthal who... slave. I would totally have him mow my lawn. Like, I'd, he'd be up in the backyard cleaning Yeah, up. I really don't think you would. Because <laughs> there'd be people like me talking about how they need to have rights, you know? And, like, and, and the same thing if, you know, if... If, if some genius says, oh, yeah, why don't we have monkey slaves? You know, there will be people like me and PETA and so on and so forth saying, yeah, well, here's why. Here's a list of, you know, here's a hundred reasons why you don't do that. I, I, I went. But right there would to- be a temptation to do that, I think. And I and I'm afraid that is what would happen. Remember that skit Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer? On Center Live back in the nineties, yes, I, I went. Yeah, I, I went right that. there, and that—that's where I was when I was uh, looking at this question. <laughs> question yeah. number two for you: Why don't flat Earth explorers simply go to the edge of the Earth to prove us all wrong? Um. Yeah, that seems like an unanswerable question. <laughs> all right, we'll skip right to no, number three for you. Um. Damn it. <laughs> um, well, I mean, okay, okay, I'll, I'll try to answer it. Okay. Like, do they ever think of doing that? Probably not. I mean, I think most flat earthers today are just contrarians. I think when flat earth ideas originally emerged, it wasn't possible to go to the end of the earth. Like, there, you know, there were the ships hadn't been built yet, right? You know, 
uh, I didn't know, even that think of it. that angle. <laughs> there yeah. were flat yeah. earthers back then. I didn't even wrap my head yeah, around yeah. that. I'm but thinking the flat earthers of today are just contrarians. They're not, <laughs> you know, they're not serious. I don't think. I mean, <laughs> unless they're insane, and if they're insane, maybe they are trying to figure out a way to get to the end of the earth. But I don't think most. I don't think the vast majority of flat earthers today are just making a joke. Question. Like the Church of the Subgenius is a joke religion. You know? Question? No, it's not. Question number three for <laughs> you. Uh, what's it like to be in your mind for one day? It depends on the day. It depends on the day. Is it okay? Yeah. You, you sound pretty content, some, man. Some, I mean, you know, I'm I'm happy. You know, sometimes I'm happy with when the focus is on myself and I'm talking to somebody who at least is pretending to be interested in what I think or care about. Um, but other days... I, I've, I've, I'm disappointed in myself. I wish I did more. I wish I knew more. I wish I worked harder at the things I care about. I wish I was a better, better parent. I wish a lot of things. And, um, I try not to make those doubts paralyze me or those disappointments paralyze me. But, um, you know, and also I know that that disappointment and that, you know, occasional self-loathing and that even that depression help inspire me to be better so i don't always just push it away you know i i try to look at it and and be honestly well if you do feel that way why don't you if you do feel like you could stand to lose a few pounds then why don't you do more exercise if you do feel like you're ignorant about uh x why don't you explore it more you know like uh if you do feel like you're not spending enough time you know, on the phone with your mom or, you know, on, on, or on Skype with your daughter, then spend more time. You know, it's like, you know, so ideally I wouldn't have to beat myself up to get myself to do things, but sometimes it works. You're human though, man. You're like, you're going to fuck up. And, and I mean, from what I know about you from talking the last hour and a couple of little things I've read and, and listening to your music, I mean, at least you own that shit. You know, you, uh, I, I yeah. mean, I think what I want to say is I think most human beings are too easy on themselves, including me. Okay. But, I shouldn't say most human beings. Most human beings in my position yeah, yeah. are too easy on themselves. Most people in the world have it way too hard. It's unjust and it's disgusting. Yeah, and 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 they do not have it easy at all. And they are not easy on themselves. They work extremely hard for very little reward. You yeah, know, yeah. so that people like you and me can benefit. Oh, yeah, know? absolutely. And I, it's only as an older dude that, that I, I have that perspective, you know, that no matter how, how like my, my fucking internet wasn't working last night and, and I called AT&T and fuck AT&T, by the way, uh, I called AT&T and I was on hold for an hour and 17 minutes before someone picked up. And, yeah. and I kept telling my wife, I was like, I don't want to yell at this guy, but I want to yell at somebody. You know, yeah. I, I, and I, I don't really raise my voice too terribly often. So I was tried to be yeah. really cool and, and tried to, you know, I'd say, man, like I'm really frustrated. So if I come across as, as being upset, you know, understand that I've been on hold for an hour and 15 minutes, I should be in bed next to my wife right now. Yeah. And, and he fixed the problem really fast. Magically he hit some button and all, it all got fixed and my internet's running like a, like a road runner. But, uh, I said, Hey, is there someone I can talk to? Because I, I don't want to yell at you. You know, and, and yeah. I know, I know you're just doing your thing. 
Yeah. And, and he's like, no, there's nobody you can talk to. And I said, really? There's no one that I can talk. You know, there's not a manager. There's not a, there's not someone. He said, well, he said, well, we're having a hard time finding people to work uh, during the coronavirus. And I said, really, there's no one that you can transfer me to. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm going to yeah. hang up and, and just disgruntled, mad, angry customer with AT&T that, that sucks. I'm going to, I'm going to hang up and say that on my podcast. I didn't say podcast, but I'm going to hang up and tell my friends about this. He said, no, no one can help me. And I wanted to lace into him, but, but someone somewhere is working harder than you. And, 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 has it worse off than you? And it took me a long time to realize that, you know, you, you think you're the center of your own little universe in, and yeah. the, 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 you know, the universe revolves around you when you're, you're just a speck in it, man. You know, you're, you're just, just a, a spot on in a desert. And, yeah. you know, it, and that's, it, I, I was like, okay, dude, you know, I, I guess, I guess if that's all you can do for me, you know, and, and I wasn't expecting a discount. I just wanted someone to know that I'm a customer and I give them money and I expect more. Yeah. But well, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, there's I feel so bad stuff. for that guy. Cause he deals with that kind of shit constantly. <laughs> you know, that yeah. that's, he, he, he deals with that. That's everybody is probably waiting yeah. an hour to get on the phone with him. So, and, yeah. you know, yeah. I try to keep that and in mind. Yet, and yet he probably tells himself, you know, at times, well, I'm not coal mining, you know, yeah, this exactly. isn't coal mining, you know, not, it's I'm like not digging graves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like, we all have to remember that there are people who have it worse. You know, there's one person on the planet who has it worst of all, but like, we don't know who that is. I, that I know who that guy is. He doesn't even know who that is. When I was, when no, I, I don't think you do. <laughs> no, I, I know. I know who he's pretty low. You're going to tell an amusing story, but he doesn't have it worse than anybody. I, I used to, maybe it'll I, be a tragic story. I used so. to work at a bank and I used to, to uh, shred paper. That was my job at a bank. Like I, this is the eighties. And yeah. when, when I had too much paper, I was to load it up in a van and go to a local hospital. This is where I probably got my idea as someone who was always working harder than me. Uh, yeah. I, I'd go to a local hospital and I'd bring it to their incinerator outside. And this guy would always meet me out there and he'd put it, it there was a little fence around the incinerator and he'd unlock the gate and put it behind the gate. And one day I pulled up and he was out there with a cart and he was throwing bags of bodies parts like just guts and throwing them in the incinerator and he said and i quote and i remember this all the time when i'm feeling low about my station in life and what i do he said you better move you're gonna get some guts on you mm, yeah. and, and that guy he, he's he but he still was always nice to me and that that always kind of stuck with me at some yeah. point that he was always yeah. that day he was having a bad day yeah but, but he was it oh, reminds me of a johnny cash song called get rhythm um, where he's talking about a shoe shine guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. your second question to me, please. Oh, wait, I got to interrupt because I, I was, I looked at my email for a moment and the New York review of books sent me a link to the article I had started reading or the essay or Marilyn okay. Robinson. What have we done with America? So that's nybooks.com, you know, and, uh, you know, there's usually a lot of fr good free reading and then stuff behind a paywall, but Marilyn Robinson is always worth reading. She's uh, an amazing essayist. I've not read any of her novels, but everyone says they're great. But anyway, uh, my second question to you. Yes, sir. Um, uh, uh, I got to go back to where I was. Um, how do I do that? I'll cut this um, all so it sounds like you did this seamlessly. 
Um, oh, well, so if you were to go back to school for something, what would you want to study? This is a question someone asked me recently, and I was really flustered, and I still don't really know what the answer is. There's a lot of things I'm interested in. So I'm wondering, like, you know, you're doing this podcast to learn more and to have good conversations, but, like, is there anything, any area that really grabs you that you wish you could you know, spend some time studying intently. I, I interviewed a, actually, I, I called somebody in New York on uh, Monday, a, a pretty internationally known DJ called, his name is uh, Rob, uh, God damn it, I can't, Rob Swift. Rob Swift? I, I'll probably I don't get know. it. Anyway, I, I, a guy I talked to for an hour <laughs> on Monday, I can't remember his last name, uh, Rob Swift. And uh, I, uh, he does, First of all, he's a turntablist. I mean, beyond DJ, like he he uses the turntables as as an instrument. He makes music with records, right? And uh, I mean, he's there's been films about him, and he's flown all over the world to do this. And he was teaching at a college there, teaching turntablism and music uh, philosophy or something. And now he does a, kind of an online course uh, about how to like do what he does. And I told Didi, I, I was like, you know, if this whole podcast thing goes south or when this whole podcasting thing goes south, you know, I'm, I'm going to need to, you know, get a couple thousand dollars and get some turntables and a mixer and a laptop and all that stuff. Cause I, I used to DJ back, back in the eighties and nineties and I was okay. You know, I DJ parties and you know, I, I got paid for it. So I, I guess that made me professional. Uh, but to do it on that level to where you deconstruct a song and, and I mean, he, he's, he's leaps and bounds smarter in every aspect of, of his life. He's, he's like a Jedi, man, you know, yeah. and talking to him he's, he's up, up here and I'm kind of down working man level. Uh, but I'd love yeah. to take his class or I'd love to, you know, uh, I'd love to take a, a piano lessons, you know, that, that would be cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, some, something, I think something with music, maybe film or theater or something. Yeah. You know, I, I've, I've been on, on enough stages to know that I don't really get stage fright for the most part. Mm -hmm. I, I struggle with this thing where I, I, and I know I'm not dumb. I'm just not classically smart. Uh, I, so I struggle with this thing and I tell myself I can't do this. I, I am dumb. I might be classically smart, but I am actually dumb. Oh, I, anyway, go ahead. I'm, I'm very rarely I'm the smartest yeah. one in the room. A lot of times I can have a sort of intelligent conversation with people, but I'm yeah. usually faking my way through it most of the time. Yeah, but you have, um, I don't know how to describe it, but like some people are just really good with people. I, I, I am not generally, but like, you know, though I, I've listened to you know some of your podcasts and uh yeah you know how to you know how to how to converse with people well that's, that's i'm not just, always so good that's just, yeah. just years of doing this and yeah you know, I, I, but that's an important kind of intelligence did you listen to any of the first ones because those are a train wreck but any first couple no, podcasts no. are there yeah. no. I, I went back and listened to like one or two and i don't usually do that i edited them and then just throw them up there and see if they stick to the yeah. wall uh, but I went back just to see what like number one was like. And I think I listened to 100 and 100 was yeah. just a total blackout. I, I was blackout drunk during it. Like from yeah. the time I vaguely remember going in the room and then yeah. the next morning I vaguely remember going, I did something very wrong. <laughs> and I, but I told myself I, I was, once I hit, you know, I had enough in the can to do a podcast. I just wasn't really ever going to delete any. I did delete two. Uh, yeah. that I recorded with a friend of mine and only did it to annoy him. 
Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he wanted to edit his own podcast, and I said no. And he said why? And I said because it's my podcast. Start your own. And he said, "What are you yeah. gonna do with it?" And I said, "I'm just gonna delete it." And I hit delete on it. And then I, he asked for another chance, and then I did the same thing, just driving crazy. Um, <laughs> and he's never been back on the podcast before. But I, I think I would I would go to school for theater, or I'd probably take uh, a turntable class because that's yeah. something that interests me. And, and I like the whole idea of, of getting knowledge in something that's just totally useless. I'm not going to yeah. be, I'm not going to be a 52 year old club DJ. Uh, yeah. I, I like that idea of gaining a bunch of knowledge and wasting or putting a bunch of time into something that just going to turn out to be absolutely nothing. It, to me, I, to me, yeah. I think that's funny. Uh, we're going to take, yeah, well, I'm thinking, uh, Oh, you're going to take a break. Is that what you just said? Yeah. Well, you can finish your thought. I was going to say, yeah. it was going to last another two minutes. Oh, so go. So no, please. Yeah. Well, okay. You, oh, well, uh, okay. So I accidentally discovered a painter cause I went to see a Paul clay exhibit that wasn't open yet at, at, uh, uh, where was it at the, um, at the metropolitan museum. Of How Art. do you get to do that? So, that sounds really cool. So you got like backstage passes to the, no, museum? no, no, okay. no, 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 no. It's like exhibit. So okay, I okay. went and it wasn't open. Oh, yet. okay. Yeah. Like it, the museum opened at nine and I got there at nine 30 and then found out that that particular exhibit that I went to see wasn't oh. going to open until 11. So I went around the museum and I found out about this painter who became one of my very favorites, uh, Richard Pousset Dart. And in addition to his paintings that they had in this show that I found completely by accident, he, they had video of him speaking and he said something, I took the notes, I don't know where the notes are, but he said something about, so he, what he does is like, he spends a lot of time painting over their, their abstract paintings, but he paints over often like what he does, you know, again and again and again, you know, and, and, and what he says is, you know, that like none of what he does is lost, you know, it's not lost. It's always there. So similarly, you know, the, the podcast you delete or the knowledge that you gain that you think you'll never use, it's not necessarily lost or wasted. It's just makes you more of what you are. Just like, you know, I was saying to somebody, you know, like it's the same thing with love. You know, you love somebody and then they dump you, you know, but it's not wasted. You're building you know? a foundation on Or you love tomorrow. someone and you dump them. Right, right. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, yeah. And the other thing I was going to say about this is like, it's interesting because the woman who asked me this question, you know, what would you study? She also said something pertaining to music uh, production, right? But also like, you know, a thing you can do with like your hands that will create something. And I've never pursued that. You know, I took a six week verse writing class almost by accident because I went, I was in Ithaca for the summer and the class I wanted to take was canceled when I got up there and I didn't want to go back home. So I took verse writing. What the hell, you know, and it was life changing I, I was going to say it changed the course of your life it sounds like because, yeah. but the whole structure of it was like okay we're, you're just going to write a you're going to if you write a poem you can you can read it to the group the next day and that was the appealing part of it um and and um i don't remember getting much instruction on how to write a poem you know but people would comment on the poems including the other classmates and occasionally the teacher's name is arm and so i'm looking at his collected works right now he's one of my very favorite poets a-m-m-o-n-s so so my point is like that um oh about so i never took a class in how to 
maybe one class in filmmaking as part of, you know, like film studies major or minor that I pursued. Um, but like a general liberal arts degree where you just, you know, study communications, literature, you know, film. Um, I think I might have taken a music appreciation class, but never like a creating class. Like I'm a fairly creative person. I've made, you know, a bunch of records. I've written a bunch of poems and microfiction and done other things, but like I've never learned how to do any of it. Yeah. Except like uh, an autodidact, I think is the word. Right. Um, and I've never really thought I wanted to, but then I thought, Oh, it might be fun to like really immerse myself in the study of like, musical composition it seems like a really monumental thing to do that would really like you know immerse me in something really foreign to to me you know how to orchestrate for like a quartet or a, or a chamber orchestra or a real or you know whole orchestra but but for the most part oh i'd be more interested in like finding out about the history of africa because we all came from there or like um uh, or philosophy, if I could stand it. Philosophy was like bad LSD for me when I when I first, you know, when I tried the two times I attempted to learn philosophy, like deep philosophy, um, or or religion, or like um, or like I don't know early music. There's like all these things I'm interested in knowing more about, but not, but but I'm not interested in learning how to like build a house. Or or, uh, or 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 write a song or write a poem or 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 the turntable thing you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a weird thing about me that like I've never wanted to learn anything practical. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, really, I've never wanted to learn anything practical. I've just always tried to fill my head with stuff that I think would be interesting um, and think, would engage me. And then yeah, I I think we're kind of alike in that in the sense that yeah. I I want to do stuff that makes me better like the turntable yeah. thing is it's again i i know i would never do anything with it but it's something i find fascinating and i i like the idea of sampling and uh, you know reconstructing something and you know uh, making just a, a collage of music and and uh i but I, and I always tell my wife, she was like, well, why don't you do this? Because like, I can do that easy. You know, I, I, I'll tell her when I, I think I can't do something. I was like, mm -hmm. I, I, I can't do that. And she's, how do you know? I says, I just know I can't do that. Like, I, I example I always use, uh, are you familiar with the X games? It was the nineties skateboard thing or nineties snowboarding and skateboarding. I and, think I know what that yeah, is. Uh, yeah, yeah. And my running joke was if I got a skateboard and a half pipe in two weeks, I could be on the X games. Yeah. And I mean, gravity does most of the work. And, and I think if I imagine myself doing it, I could do it. And she's like, you couldn't. I was like, I'm absolutely sure I could. And, hmm. and that's how I approach life. You know, I, I got an idea that I wanted to be a podcaster. I gave myself two weeks to get a podcast out. Might have been a month, and and I did it, and and you know, and had a at least some success locally, uh, and I'm I'm happy with that. You know, I my my needs are very very few. You know, yeah. The, sorry to interrupt again, but yeah, like, it's, it's, yeah, it's I fine, mean, dude. I had this same kind of experience because when I came back from that verse writing class. I, I uh, or at some point after that, I started going to open poetry readings and there was this thing in New York at that time called the poetry calendar. It was like this big piece of paper and it would say like, 
every poetry reading, all the open readings and all the featured readings in New York, in Manhattan, I think it was mostly, you know, and, uh, and I was like, oh, this is a cool thing. And it showed me the open readings I go to. And I was like, my goal is to be in this calendar. I want to be listed as a featured poet in this calendar. You know, I didn't set it by such and such a time, but I was like, I want to be in this calendar. That was like my first agenda with poetry or one of my very few agendas with poetry. <laughs> like getting published was never really a goal. Yeah. Um, you know, like like I, I wanted to make records um, and I, you know, I just did that with money when my father died, you know, Heron's money to make a demo that turned into an album because the guy who was recording the demo was starting a label. It's just like fell into it all. But like for the most part, like no agenda, but, but some, you know, like, Oh, this would be nice to be in this calendar. I, I, I bet I could do that, you know? And then I was like, I did three reading open readings and the third one, the woman said, Oh, oh will you feature here? And I was like, by the third one, you, you <laughs> good for yeah, you. Yeah. 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 Um, You're a yeah, poetry and, prodigy. Uh, well, I mean, like I, it was like counter-programming at that time. There weren't a lot of performance poets. There were people who were reading their published stuff that was mostly written for the page. So even if they were good readers, these weren't poems for the most part that were good to hear in necessarily like they weren't like, I think at some point, like, there are a lot of poets that don't think about how their poetry sounds and a lot of that do, you know? You know, like, and I think that's what was going on. I was writing everything, just imagining myself at the reading, reading it. So, and, like, and it shows, uh, and I think that's why I love what you do. It, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's written for. I I, I don't want to use the word shock yeah. value because it's not. But I mean, obviously, in Martin Scorsese, you say fucking a lot, you know, and you know the power of that word, and that word is why I. You know, you hear the beginning and he was like, oh, my God, where's he going to go next? Oh, my God, it's another fucking he really appears to really fucking love Martin Scorsese. You know, how is this going to end? And and I love the fact that's how you 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 approach most of your performances. Obviously, I don't I haven't listened to every one of your records, but uh, I. Why is that obvious? Well, because you have a shit ton of work, man. Like every time I turn around, I, I found something else you've done. And and I, I'm not going to lie, like I haven't listened to King Missile in a minute. You know, but I, when I I thought I'd approach you about this, I got super excited when I was <laughs> I was in my hammock when you you text me on Sunday, uh huh. And I was in my backyard, I had a book in my lap, and quite frankly, I I uh, I was a little high, and <laughs> I was just sitting back there enjoying a Sunday. And you went, "Hey, Peter," and I I went, "What do I write?" So I just decided on hi. <laughs> you know, I just said. <laughs> And uh, we went back and forth, and um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to be talking to you, man. We've been talking for an hour and a half, and it, it's, are we cool? But, but not, but, but not so stoked that you would go and listen to my work. Well, I have listened to. Your I'm work. kidding. I don't really give a shit. You know, like, but I don't no. listen to a lot of it either. Like, no, I, mean, I, 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 and and also, and, and guess because uh, I, I, 
you texted me a couple days ago and it said I listened to some of your podcast. And I can't begin to tell you how many people come on this podcast and haven't listened to my podcast. And okay, so I told you I listened to your podcast and you still didn't go and listen to my shit? No, That's I have. I, I posted some of your stuff, dude. <laughs> I, I, I posted it, but did you listen to it? Absolutely, I did. I, I've gone back what, and revisited what, what stuff. What did you listen to? The, the silk cut the, thing? The, the I, obvious I, shit. Oh, no, no, really? Yes, I, I did. On Bandcamp, I went back and listened to that. And uh, there was I don't I, I don't have my notes like that up the uh, the you mean the other fucking guy thing I want to get that on vinyl it's available on vinyl right on green splatter vinyl see I I will probably order a piece of that on vinyl and uh, no. dromedary records I can't believe I couldn't remember the name of the label earlier yeah, it's dromedary dromedary records I I uh I will catch up I promise and frequently when I have musicians on it's happened a lot lately. I, I will, first of all, I'll go, I owe you an apology. And I probably should have said that to you to begin with that. I fell in love with your band. And then I, I saw something shiny outside and forgot for a little while. And I came back and went, I still love your band, you know, yeah. and, and that's kind of what happened. And I, I live in Florida, well, yeah, man. You I mean, have, when was the last time mention, you were in Florida? <laughs> I mentioned, I mentioned the slits, right? Like yeah. I, I, I started thinking about them again, I don't know, two or three years ago. I'd loved the slits when I was a teenager and, and, uh, you know, probably in my early twenties, um, and played the shit out of them and then did not think about them for maybe 25 years, you know, and, uh, you know, or and you maybe go back more, and revisit, 35 years, and, and you know, go, so like, yeah. And go, man, this, like, this still rules. This still occasionally, is wonderful. Yeah, occasionally yeah. you're like, oh, wow, that doesn't hold up. But some of the shit really does hold up. I think I heard the slits in a movie. And that's like, and that's where I was like, oh, my God, that's the great. You know, I heard it through a grapevine cover by the slits. That's amazing. And then I went and dug it out again, you know, and like listened to their stuff. Uh, yeah, they're awesome. All right. We're going to take a commercial. Yes. La Femme du Fromage Orlando's Cheese Shop is open for business for all your cheesy needs. Artisan handcrafted cheeses from around the world with a friendly, knowledgeable staff to help you out. Go by today. Visit Grilled Cheese Happy Hour this Friday and grab something delicious. They're located at 3201 Kareen Drive in the East End Market. La Femme du Fromage is Orlando's Cheese Shop. Tell them you heard about them on Scotch and Good Conversation. Ah, dinner time. Pleasant, unemotional conversation helps digestion. Don't monopolize the conversation and go on and on without stopping. Nothing destroys the charm of a meal more quickly. Don't discuss unpleasant topics such as gruesome sights or sounds. Do remember simply this. The dinner table is no place for discontent. Dinner Good Conversation, a place for discontent. Available wherever you find good podcasts. Injured on the go? Remember, just call Mo. And we are back. Uh, real quick, you guys, if this first time checking out Scotch and Good Conversation, uh, please go over to scotchandgoodconversation.com and bop around on there. Just read read the titles of the podcast. Odds are, if one of them intrigues you, take a listen, because uh, usually they're pretty spot on about what we talk about. Uh, I, there's 240 something of these things by the time this comes out. And, uh, I'd like to think they're amusing. You can also go over to patreon.com slash scotch and good conversation. That's amusing. Also there's blogs. I don't blog. Well, uh, there's videos. I do this video thing called, um, Peter Von Taborsky. I got shit on my mind. There's behind the scenes stuff. There's naked pictures of me. If you want to look at those, that's kind of disturbing. 
uh, it seemed like a really good idea at the time. And if you give a couple bucks over there, it helps keep the lights on here in Rosie Land. Also, uh, talking about people who help keep the lights on, this part of the show is brought to you by Compass Box Whiskey. They make an amazing bottle of scotch. Go over to your local liquor store if you like drinking or you like scotch and grab yourself a bottle. Just pick the bottle with the prettiest label on it and uh, I can guarantee it'll be delicious. And your button guy. Your button guy is my button guy. If you need buttons for your band or your podcast or your family reunion or anything you got going on, he makes buttons. There's two ways to get a hold of him. You can get a hold of him on Instagram and you can get a hold of him on Facebook. Doesn't have a website, doesn't have a phone number. Just Google your button guy. Your button guy is my button guy. This is an email. Sound like I said that once or twice in my life. This is an email. If you want to email me over at scotchagoodconversation at gmail.com. If it doesn't suck, I will read it. Keep it short. Don't use a lot of big words. Words are the enemy. Emails are sponsored by the Nook on Robinson. They are open. They've been closed for a couple months, about a month and a half. And right now, in uh, as of the time this is recording, you can't buy a beer and drink it at a bar in Florida. Hopefully, uh, I don't know if hopefully this will change. I just want them to be successful still. But what you can do is go by and buy beer and wine and snacks and uh, uh, what's what do you call that? Kombucha. And you can uh, buy some T-shirts from them. And it's all behind a big plexiglass thing. And it's all super clean. And probably if you're buying a six-pack over at the Nook on Robinson, it's probably going to wind up costing you about two bucks more than if you bought it at your local chain store. And that money goes locally. It goes into an independently owned local Orlando business. We love the Nook on Robinson. They're over in the Milk District at 2432 East Robinson Street. This email is titled, Why Even Try? And it says, uh, what's the point of contributing to society if society progresses regardlessly? Had Einstein not contributed to physics, surely another Einstein would have made his contribution at a later stage. And then it says, maybe I'm wrong. So if you didn't do King Missile, someone would have came along and done King Missile, according to this person. So why well, even try? I mean, I because it's fun to try. I mean, it's fun to try to do things. You know? <laughs> Sometimes it, it be, is. <laughs> I mean, it can be humiliating to fail, or it can be very funny to fail. Funny, uh, and failing's it's fucking awesome hilarious. To, it's also awesome to succeed or to feel like, or to get, you know, like it's nice when people that you respect appreciate what you do. It's sometimes nice when people you don't respect appreciate what you do. It's it's nice to be appreciated. Um, I don't know. I remember like maybe 40 years ago, I was at some, you know, uh, really moronic job. And, um, and a woman next to me who was an artist, more of an artist than I was at the time, said something about, she said something about, you know, there's something sociopathic about the desire to get approval from strangers, you know. And I always thought about that, you know. Um, there is something very odd about wanting to be appreciated by people you don't know, you know, or, or you're like having this vague idea that there's a mass out there that like has been inspired um, or, or, you know, or, you know, but what it really is for me is like, occasionally some person will say you, you got me through high school or, um, or, uh, I, 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 I became a poet because of you, or I became a recording artist because of you or, you know, something like that. As a matter of fact, the last Bushwick book club I did, the author, the, the book, it was crazy. I'm reading this book and I get almost to the end of the book. 
it's a memoir and she writes about like she's like a runaway and like she's writing about her life and she writes about like how on the inside of her one of her notebooks she had scribbled the lyrics to detachable penis like so like so like when susan the assigned the book she didn't know about this reference and the person who wrote the book did not know i was going to be one of the people to write so i wrote a song about you know the song was called another song about me you know like this you know this is like you know like i'm i'm trying to get into this book and write something that's reflective about the book and then suddenly like i get so it's about how my ego like just does not permit me you know like i have to write about this cuz i'm in the book i'm supposed to write a song about this is yeah. obviously a sign obviously but, but yeah but that's but so you never know what kind of like crazy shit is going to happen if you try that's an example of a crazy you know of a crazy thing that happened to me because i tried i i um if somebody else does it instead then they get the benefit they might get the shame too but like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go i agree with you but i'm gonna say uh, why try is because um maybe you'll learn something along the way maybe you'll have some fun you know i i I don't yeah. know. I don't know why I started this. This I I I I always say this is like one of the most selfish things I've ever done. The podcast because yeah. I, I literally just wanted to hang out with my friends more, and they were just getting to the point where they were, you know, they, they had real jobs. They they were you know starting to have babies and and you know and married life and and I wasn't getting to see them enough. And I was like, just come on over. We'll talk about your shit. You know, maybe somebody will learn about your band or your bar or, you know, your, your art career or something. And, uh, uh, and we can hang out, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll have a beer, we'll have a glass of scotch. We can just sit and talk. We're not going to get shit faced. You know, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to go out and, you know, make bad decisions. It's just talking and hanging out. And I, it was about me and it, it met with a little success and I've tried to balance it with the, you know, it's nice to get reviews on, on, on iTunes, you know, Hey, if you listen to this podcast and you're in iTunes, leave me a review. I'd love that because it helps me get advertisers at some point, but ultimately as long as I'm having a good time, that's why I'll keep doing this. And I'm having a great time. Like it's like, I, I, I look forward to this. I lose sleep about these things. You know, that's how excited I get, you know, and, uh, that's why you should try do something that speaks to you, you know, and makes you happy and find that thing that you're passionate about and try at that. Maybe some other people will like it too. And if they don't, who cares? Just continue doing it. You know, it, try because it, it'll make you happy. And that in turn will make other people happy. I could be wrong. I mean, actually that's, that's actually what they, they sign that I may be wrong. Here's a commercial. You need a beer. Red light, red lights got you covered. They are open for business. Award-winning in-house brews, 300 bottles and cans, cool, comfortable surroundings, inside and outside seating, food trucks, they got you covered. Red Light Red Light is located in the Audubon Park Garden District at 2810 Kareen Drive. Go by today, Red Light Red Light Beer Parlor. Have you been injured on the go? Remember, just call Mo. Question number four for you. Uh, what fictional character do you, do you have a totally different view for now as you did as a kid? Oh, well, I guess uh, Paul Muad'Dib uh, in Dune. 
because um, I'm rereading it now. You're but re I, I rereading just, Dune? Did you say you yeah. read? That's a big, thick, hard book. You, you So you've read it at least once, and you're rereading it I now. I read it when I was 14 or 15 because my uncle gave it to me. I was actually talking to my uncle about it um, a month ago. Uh -huh. you know? um, he gave it to me when I was a teenager. I thought I would like it, and I really, really liked it. And I found um, the Lynch film disappointing with sting and, and his beautiful skinny body well, and that weird I, I, red... I was thinking sting yeah. was like the best cast person in that movie because like looks like the freeze miser. Is, yeah 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 that that character i mean that was the only one but like i thought cal mcclellan should not be paul right um um anyway like so so uh i found out that timothy chalamet is going to play paul in the forthcoming movie that villeneuve is making villeneuve made arrival uh, which i think is a great great movie um and uh and some other movies i haven't seen and some i have that i'm not remembering um um didn't he make arrival am i getting that messed up too? I've, I've, I've seen arrival and i've only i've only seen uh Dune, it came out when I was in high school, and I remember I snuck a bottle of cognac in under my trench coat with hot chocolates, and then I started uh, fondling the girl that I went with, and we left. So I've never seen all of Dune, but it, it frightened me. And the fact that you've read that book at least once, I'm impressed by. Uh, <laughs> that did, um, I read it. It's got a dictionary in yeah. the back of it. Like, there's a dictionary of terms. That that. I got like 10 yeah. pages in. Well, and, it's and... a little bit easier to read now because that dictionary is on Wikipedia. Okay, so that makes sense. you have to go to the back of the book to like flip through it. Okay, that um, maybe I'll try it yeah. again. Yeah. And a, a number of those terms are actually Arabic terms because it's a desert planet. Um, so I learned a little bit about Islam um, when I read it. Um, just a little bit, you know, like when, when, when I became like, I wrote it, I read it maybe three or four years before the Islamic re re revolution. So some of what was going on there, um, you know, there was some familiarity, you know, uh, just, you know, some sort of the Fremen on Dune, I think, you know, had some analogies to like, even though it was written in 1965, there was a lot how many books do you got going on at any given time? Do you read a lot of different books or are you like, I re I'm reading this book until I'm done with it? Um, right now I'm going to read Dune until I'm done with it. But yeah, before that I was in the middle of three books. Well, no, not really. I didn't start the Ta-Nehisi Coates novel, um, which I thought I was really going to like. And maybe I will when I finally sit down to read it. I love Between the World and Me. I, I think I love Ta-Nehisi Ta Coates. Uh, Gia Tolentino, who writes for The New Yorker, had put out a collection of essays, and I've read maybe four of those in that book. Um, you know, those can be taken in small doses, I guess, you know, just one essay at a time. And I feel like there was a third book that I was simultaneously reading, but I don't remember what it was. So and I do both. We might as well plug this in. You've written a book. Have you written two books? You've written one book, right? Well, the first book was already written um because it was just co like collected lyrics okay uh, yeah, it was yeah. Called jesus was way cool um and that came about because i said to the guy the publisher you know it's stupid that i don't have a book you know, and he <laughs> give agreed. me a book <laughs> well like i mean i just thought like somebody could make some money off of a book of my shit and you know i think he made a little money off of it so so i guess i was right um i wrote like maybe two or three new things for that for that book but basically it was just stuff from the, the i think i had six albums out at that time so um so i just pulled stuff from each album and um um the other book 
same publisher. I don't know. Oh, I know. Well, I mean, I, I, this is the way I tell the story. I'm not actually sure this is right, but I had a period in my life when I was extremely depressed and um, I had some daily affirmation books um, and I found that they made me feel worse. Um, <laughs> so I thought, you know, like it would I'm be I'm sorry nice. to, to laugh. But <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I laugh at it now too, but yeah. I really like, I thought, you know, this, this is, this is, I mean, I mean, and now there, you know, since that time I've read articles about this, that like, you know, the positive thinking movement can be very oppressive to people who have trouble generating optimism and everyone has trouble generating optimism at time. So I thought, you know, like I want to write, you know, my negative, my negative stuff (laughs) down to, to exercise it or whatever. And, you know, at, at some point I thought, you know, maybe I could just write, Uh, enough to do a book so i have this book called daily negations that i'm currently like doing over facebook live and instagram i Um, i i love it (laughs) i really really do man it makes me about about (laughs) yeah about two months ago like so so the book came out in 2007 my kid had just been born but it was all written before she was born and that was a kind of a dark period in in my life uh, when i was writing it some of them i wrote to cheer myself up some of them i wrote just to really express how miserable I was, you know, and I can, now when I look at them, I can't tell which is which really. I can't tell. Like, which I guess that's good real. though. Does yeah. that mean you're at a good place? Like it, it sounds, I mean, you always, you always end it with and have a good day, which yeah. makes, which see makes you me, tomorrow. See, see you tomorrow. tomorrow. Well, <laughs> the first few are see you tomorrow, probably. Cause I wasn't sure I was going to keep doing it, but now, you know, the reaction's been good. So yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so those are the two books I have. Oh, oh I, but you're, to answer your question, yeah, I thought Muad'Dib was. Oh yeah, was yeah, the, the, like, uh, the, the thing. I was trying to remember what my I question was. I thought he was a. I thought he was a good guy. You know. You know. He becomes like he becomes the savior of the desert planet. Um, but over the course, I did read the sequels, but I guess I wasn't really appreciating what was going on, or wasn't accepting it. But like. Part of what Frank Herbert is doing is saying that you shouldn't really trust any leader with like complete power. And at some point, you know, Muad'Dib rules the universe. Um, and, um, and he definitely does some questionable things, you know, and, and, um, and like he makes the calculation that a war, um, uh, that will leave, I, I think, 60 billion dead is the best scenario for the future because he sees other paths where many, many more people are killed. And that's a very difficult, you know, kind of choice to make. You know, you're maybe familiar with the trolley problem, particularly if you've watched The Good Place, you know, which kind of like acts out a lot of philosophical ideas. But that idea of like, you know, like you're on a trolley and you're going to hit one, you know, you're, you're going to hit five people over here, but if you change the track, you'll hit one person over there, you know, what do you do, you know? And then there are variations on, well, what if the person's pregnant or what if the person's old or blah, 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 blah. But like this idea, like we have a choice of doing this one thing with terrible consequences or this other, you know? Um, so anyway, that's what, Maladib was a more, more ambiguous character than I realized when I first read the books. That's what I'm getting at. You nailed the shit out of that, sir. You, 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 you nailed it. See, I was gonna go. I was gonna go, Uncle Arthur from Bewitched. I thought he was just a wacky, wacky guy. 
explain it in actuality. He was the best character on Bewitched. Um, mm -hmm. Question number five for you. Uh, did a family member throw away anything that was really treasured uh, from your childhood? I can't think of any. I mean, I'm, that must have happened, but I can't think of any examples. I, I, uh, I got my Eagle Scout when I was 18 because I was that kid. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, um, one, a, a very important uh, person in my life who actually passed a couple, probably about two years ago, gave me a, a Eagle feather, which are hard to come by. You have to have like a, a, a an American Indian give you one, and they're only allowed to have a certain amount at a certain time. And um, I thought of this when I read this question. I when you get your eagle, usually you get a bunch of like cards and you know congratulations stuff. And and I remember I I put them all in a big pile in my bedroom, and then I went out and proceeded to drink a lot with my girlfriend because I was eighteen, and. I came home and my mother had gone through my room and cleaned up and threw a bunch of stuff away. <laughs> and she threw away the envelope with the, the eagle feather that I'll never get back into the garbage and I never saw it again. So I, I figured it, at some point that that might've happened to you, but that's good. So that that's cool. Like, well, yeah. I'm sure it happened. I just yeah. don't remember it. And do, you, do you not hold on because, to things much? or? or well, no, yeah. I have a bad memory, first of all. Okay. Like, particularly <laughs> for trauma, you know, like, there, you, there are some traumatic things, nothing really like, well, like, I mean, I just, I'll just get it out there because I don't want people to think something happened that didn't, but like in junior high school, I had a lot of, you know, trouble with kids and I got a knife pulled on me once oh my God. in the yeah. station, right? Um, and, uh, you know, I told, I told my mom about this. I remember telling her about it. And then like, I don't know, seven or eight months later, like I knew the kid, right? Um, we were like not exactly friendly, but somewhat friendly, but like, I don't know. He was like this bad boy that like, maybe I thought I wanted to run with a little bit. Anyway, I started like, we, we rekindled our friendship at some point or whatever it was our acquaintanceship. And my mother was shocked. And I was like, why? And she said, well, cause he pulled that knife on you. And I like, I had forgotten that he had done that, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and not that much time had passed by. I don't think. Um, so, so I think, yeah, I think a lot of times I forget, you know, <laughs> that the way we were that uh, well, was probably, but that's, what's, what's too painful to remember. No, I was going to say, unless you're stifling that shit and pushing it down into a little ball and you're, you know, that will explode someday when you get old. But if you just well, maybe it explodes in other ways. Oh, I mean, maybe my love for Martin Scorsese is just really <laughs> I mean, an explosion of other kinds of angst. Well, hopefully, I mean, or are you, I mean. Yeah, like I said, from an outsider's point of view, you seem pretty centered and, and you know, like low key. You, you you know, every now and then you'll get up on stage and scream a little. I don't I don't know you that well. You know, we're best friends probably by the end of this thing. But uh you 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 seem like you get your yah yahs out in a very, very positive way. And it did you haven't had a drink since uh nineteen eighty six? Is that what I mean? Eighty nine. Well, congratulations. That's a that's that's a remarkable well, thing. You don't drink and you don't die. Those are the two secrets. I I, th well, I got news for you. We're all going to die. I'm I'm in the best well, shape. I'm just saying the way you the oh, way you don't drink for thirty years. Oh yeah, is to yeah, not yeah, drink, but yeah. also to not die. Yeah. Well, I uh I'm in like the best shape of my life, which is weird. Uh, like. 
I decided to become healthy at like 50. Yeah, you 50. said that on that podcast. What's her name? Gage? What's her last name? Uh, the, the ukulelean woman? I actually like... Uh, Janine Gage. Janine. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, yeah, that yeah. Out of my ass. She's sweet. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's yeah. really... She's just... Yeah. I sent her a message on Facebook. Oh, that was she nice. Did not, she didn't respond. I'll, so. I'll, I'll, she, my, I'm, I, a, I'm a tree that fell that she did not hear. I'll, I'll, I'll let her know because really she's cool and I can guarantee yeah. she probably was at that show at the social. I didn't know her back then. I, I watched yeah. a, a few of her performance. She's been doing like she has this this song where she write, you know, she rattles off all these things you can do while sheltered in place. Oh, yeah. The so, quarantine song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did yeah, see yeah, that. yeah. And she's written. She's done two versions of it with like you know she, then she added additional things to the second one at least two verses of it it was very we've, funny we've got such a cool unique scene i know every town has one you know if you look for it but for a long time orlando didn't have a great scene we weren't like unified yeah and i mean we were disney you know and we had some some bars like we the bar you played in downtown orlando that was a, a place there was a in when i came to town there was a place called Visage, and that was like a place yeah. to go uh to see bands yeah uh, well, when i took my kid to harry potter world um she <laughs> would have had a much lousier time if i had known like about what was going on in orlando because <laughs> i would have dragged her to some shit that she would not have enjoyed what? But, that's, that's, but i would have enjoyed it you know? but that but that's that's the thing is I, I just tell people it's okay to go to harry potter world i'm, I'm okay with that but just venture out from there too because that's just surrounded by meteorocracy like it's it, you know there, there's nothing but bennigan's and tgi fridays out there you know, there's, there's a couple decent restaurants, but your average family can't go to them because, you know, they're, you know, $300, $400 for a meal. But if you, if you come into like downtown or any of the, the little districts here, yeah, you can buy something independently owned. You can taste something. You can see some art, see some films. But then we get into another problem about America, which is, you know, that if you don't have a car and yeah you don't, and orlando is not like I, i'm from manhattan you know and we don't drive yeah, you know? yeah there's uber i know there. like six people in manhattan who can drive and yeah. most of us just or, 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 or like i mean maybe some of us can but we don't i vaguely know how to drive what's the last really time you drove a car a i mean you, you the last time I drove a car was probably, oh, I remember. I scared the shit out of the guy I drove the car with. But, like, yeah, I mean, he would never get in a car with me again. Do you um, own a car? No. That's such an odd concept. Like a, yeah. When Missile broke up, yeah. I, uh, I I got the van, but, uh, and could I drive it? I don't think I could drive it then. Nice, no, perfect. <laughs> yeah. So my girlfriend at the time drove it. Yeah, yeah that, that's um, a... She was from some other place where they drive. We um, are a big little town. We're, we're spread out so far that uh, it, it takes any, it takes an hour to get anywhere. Mom, my mom had some surgery this morning and I, I talked to my brother. They're in a little town in North Carolina. And you Asheville? know uh no i wish like i like yeah asheville. you were talking about asheville too yeah, yeah i like I asheville a lot great things about asheville yeah asheville's pretty hip and if you like getting out in the woods and just walking around uh yeah. asheville's pretty pretty amazing they live yeah. in, if you're taking 95 north to which uh, to, i would not do yeah but, but I, if you're excuse me you're taking 95 south like from where you are and you're just about to cross over into south carolina there's this place called South of the Border that's been there since like the 40s. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, it's, there. it's terrible, right? We did, I think we did that on the way to Plains. I mean, our trip was to visit friend uh, relatives of my father, like my cousins. Yeah, yeah. 
No, I think we went all the way down to Florida because my grandmother was living there, my mother's mother. But we also stopped in America, Georgia, and I wanted to stop at south of the border. Of course so you did, because I mean, and and, it, and then missile also stopped there later. It it, ha um, it hasn't changed. Yeah. It ha it's yeah, exactly yeah. the same. Uh, yeah, I my, think that's right. Yeah. My brother lives about twenty miles from there. Anyway, I, I was talking to him. I was like, "So, what time's mom's surgery?" And she said, "It's seven. And I said, "So, you're gonna get there at like at, like at six? And he's like, "It's it's like three miles from her house." And I was like, "Okay, so you're gonna get there at like six thirty? So like, I'm gonna get there at like six fifty, uh, six forty five. Like, no, what if what if there's a traffic jam? What what if they you know the, the roads blocked? And he's like, "Dude, you've lived in Orlando too long. You know, you you, you really nothing's going on in this town right now." And I, I'm just so used to having a car and if I need to go someplace, but you guys got mass transit, you've got cabs, you've got, are the, are we the got city bike, but oh yeah, that, that blue bike thing. We have that in Orlando yeah. now. Yeah. And we had that little, this, little, this, this fucking guy, which is like the, you and this fucking guy. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's at least one poem about city bike. I think there's two where I mentioned city bike. It's, yeah. We just got that. And we got those little blue scooters that uh, I know someone's going to kill themselves on at one point. They electric? Uh, I guess they are. I don't. I mean, I'm not getting on one, man. I don't. I, I don't have a sense of balance. Uh, mm. I, I I my life. You don't is, have a sense of balance yet. Yet, yet. I, uh, I bruise easily, and I don't have insurance. So if I fall down, I'm gonna have to like pay for broken bones out of my pocket. Uh, I my life is real simple. I, I barely leave more than a couple, two, three miles from where I live. I'm 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 pretty like stuck in here. I, I, I like it here. Although it, I'd move to Asheville probably question number six for you. Second to last one. Uh, what are the name of three bands? And I'm gonna give you the example at the end of the band, 10,000 maniacs hmm. name three bands that if their, their names were literal, they would be very scary to fight with. Oh, well, three teens kill four was a, so they'd be um, scary to fight with yeah yeah okay two I more i think i heard this question too but then i didn't think about it very much no I, this up there's yeah. a new one i think i might have posted it uh, on the facebook page though so maybe you saw maybe, it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, i don't know damn it that I was the one, one that came that was the one i came that came to mind and i don't know that i'm gonna think of any other ones give now. me one more we won't do two one more uh, uh yeah i don't I don't know. It's probably some punk rock band I'm not thinking of, like uh, Slaughter and the Dogs. Oh, there, boom. Like, that, that, yeah. that sounds very, very frightening. To, 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 <laughs> we would have accepted I, Cannibal I, Corpse I, also. Uh, I can't even think of any of their songs, but they were on a compilation, I think, of stuff that was yeah, at the 100 Club. And I think I bought it because the Buzzcocks were on it. Oh, and yeah, Pete Shelley said a funny thing in that record where he's like, we have no more other songs. Uh, we're going to do Love Battery again. So they just played like, Love Battery again, which I guess Johnny Cash did that with San Quentin on the San Quentin record. There is a, uh, and I've never heard the whole thing, but there's an Elvis record out with nothing but him talking in between songs. And, and I know there's Elvis Presley or Elvis, I, I, Costello? Elvis Presley. And okay. I, I know there's like a, a U, uh, YouTube of nothing but Paul Stanley talking between songs from Kiss, which is always that guy like I, I i i like the banter but you know it's been a minute since I i've love seen the, the show banter. Yeah. Uh, last question i think if you've done your homework and studied the podcast which apparently you've done thank you i appreciate that really do uh who do you know that i don't know who should come on the podcast 
Oh, I would put sourdough on this podcast. Who? Yeah, who watches? Oh, that's, that's sourdough. The band I was talking about before. Yeah, yeah. I think they're awesome. Reach yeah, out to them. Yeah, yeah seriously, or give them my number. Like, if they text yeah. me, we we can hook them up. That'd be fun. I'd like that. Yeah, and I'll, yeah. I'll put their links in the they're show notes. They're extremely young, so they're coming from a completely different world. Than I you love are. talking you know, to the children, getting perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. by the end, I'm like Uncle Peter, cool Uncle Peter. I, you know, I'm, I, I love talking to the kids. Yeah, yeah. Nothing in common with the children. Uh, plugs. I mean, you got a website or like a MySpace or something? The other guy you could talk to is Ray Brown if you want another name. You know, who, like who is Ray, that? Ray Brown is a amazing singer songwriter in in New York. Um, I I just love what he does. So Ray Brown and Sourdough would be like the two that come to mind. Do and, me a favor and, and ask them. Yeah. Like, and you know, and shoot him my number. Yeah. And uh, I, yeah, I'd yeah. love that. I, I, it's that having that question in the podcast is like one of the smartest things I've done because yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah. it's led me to some really, really interesting places and got to talk yeah. to some super cool people. Uh, yeah. plugs, plug yourself. Where, where can we find your music? Where's, where can we find your books? Uh, where, I mean, I think the easiest thing to do is to go to my Facebook page, John S hall. It's a public page. Um, and whenever I'm doing anything, I post there. Um, uh, like I have a website, but I don't use it very much. I think you mentioned that in your podcast that people don't use websites anymore. No, not like, really. Oh, I'm glad yeah. it's not just me, you know? Yeah, no, so, no, not really. I um, use it mine too much. I, 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 I don't tweet much. I don't Insta very much except the negations, which are great. But that's because I'm doing them on Facebook live anyway. And I just throw them over there every day. So it's easy, but like the Facebook is where I do most of that stuff. Um, um, well, I'll definitely the put promotion. I'll definitely put links to 95% of the stuff you talked about. Anything that I can spell, I, I will probably put links to it. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun. Thank you. Th this made my day. Thank you very much. Uh, and if you want to come on another podcast and, and come eat dinner uh, virtually with my wife and I, you have an open invitation to and chewing. I don't have to eat the same thing that you eat. No, no, no. You eat probably won't be vegan. <laughs> no, no. I don't have to drink what you drink. <laughs> no, you don't, don't have, you, you don't have to do that. When we were doing these dinner and good conversations in the house, we've had vegan meals and we've had meals with people who don't drink. I mean, I'm not a complete animal. Um, you know, and uh, if you want to come on dinner and good conversation, hit me up. That It'd be fun. Like it, it, it's, it's, it's a lot like this, but it's nothing like you this. You know what? The, the complete animal is a good name for a book or a band or, you know, you just said that. And don't, I was like, don't, oh, don't, don't steal that. Expression. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. The complete animal. I'm, I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm going to do some plugs <laughs> real quick for myself. The haunting theme of Scotch and Good Conversation was written by my buddy CJ Mask. He's a all-around musician's musician. Right now, he'd be normally on the road making money for his family, and he's stuck at home like most musicians. If you need something done, if you need an album mixed or mastered, or you need a song or a hired gun, or just some advice on making amazing songs, CJ's the man, get at him. I, I get at me, I'll get you at him. Please check out my Patreon, naked pictures of me all over the place. There's some side chic. Uh, Patreon.com slash Scotch and Good Conversation. Look around, leave me a buck or two. It, it helps me pay for this thing. Tell a friend, if you like John and you like his music and his books and stuff like that, on the Facebook page, when I post this, there's going to be a little share button. Hit that share button. Spread it out far and wide. It helps him. It helps me. It's good for you also. You guys, um, hopefully soon we're all going to be able to go out and give each other a big old collective hug. And, and I love you to each other. But until then, be nice to each other. If you go outside, wear a sunblock, wear a mask, hydrate, and remember to breathe.
A PFT Media Production.